the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 289 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way. I get up in the evening, and I ain't got nothing to say, I come home in the morning, I go to bed feeling the same way, I ain't nothing but tired. Dan Tom here, the Protect Your Neck podcast host, is only a half hour late today, 20 minutes if you count the 10 minute buffer zone, but I'll account for the full 30, apologies, but uh, what's up everybody, welcome to the program, Chronic Combat Conversations, <laughs> holding on for dear life, <laughs> I appreciate you guys, you guys have my man Aaron Bronstetter on the show, so uh, I definitely have to catch up on that, uh, and as a bad co-host, I will start off like my guy Aaron Bronstetter did. Pay it forward, give you guys a shout, because you had Aaron Bronstetter on, who also is the TSN MMA show, but that is not this show, this is the Protect Your Neck podcast, folks, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find over at MMA Junkie, as well as the ActionNetwork.com, but on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA, that's what we're going to do here today, today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, recording this on Thursday night, West Coast Pacific Time. Again, 8 p.m., the half hour past the scheduled 7.30 p.m. start time. What's up to my guy Jimmy Kudo in the house? Probably owe him the biggest apology. It's his first day on the job, and the boss shows up late. Of course, uh, I asked for some moderation and uh, gave my guy Jimmy Kudo's uh, some uh, moderating powers. So Jimmy Kudo, uh, underscore 598 in the house. As mod, I only have three rules. Be nice, be respectful, and don't be weird. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to do the be nice one twice, like Roadhouse, but I like the don't be weird, although it kind of kicks me out, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, Dan should be seeing what's being said in the chat. This should be an environment uh, where we share ideas. Of course, ideally, but we also know it is the internet. So, uh, you know, a little weirdness, uh, a little out out of color. The boxes is okay. But yes, uh, my guy Jimmy Kudo is someone I'll be entrusting to hold it down in there in the chat. Anybody else wants to reach out for uh, moderation duties, if you're a regular, uh, reach out to me the same way Jimmy Kudo did by emailing me. You should be able to find that. Uh, again, it'll it'll test your uh, it'll test your dedication and weed out some of the, the trolls there. Uh, if you go and find it yourself. My guy, Rain Lamont in the house. The Jack Slack human backpack attack. Oh, wow. Um, Jack Slack rolls, doesn't he? So I'm sure he's got a real uh, good human backpack there. Rain Lamont says, no harsh pun to get you canceled this week. No, you're not going to get me canceled, Rain Lamont. I appreciate you. Even the ones that are funny. Even if you sneak attack me burgundy style, you know, uh, I wouldn't take it personally from you uh, and all that. So uh, we're going to try to get through it. Uh, through it. Uh, you know, I always try to get through it in a relatively timely matter. But you know what I mean, especially with the late stat. Those of you live are stuck with me, but if you're listening to this after the fact, unless like right after the fact, even though I do like go right after the fact to timestamp, um, you can, I will provide timestamps, the good ones on the YouTube. I do now. Thank you to the Jack Slack timestamp podcast guy speaking in your Jack Slack. And uh, of course, always on the show notes for whatever uh, platform you're listening. We always go the same format. I know I'm a wordy motherfucker. I know I'm like your least favorite asshole in the space. All good. I'm not even going to disagree with you there, which is why I offer uh, the same format. So you can, if you're listening in the future, 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 five-star ratings and reviews are appreciated. Going to read some of those hopefully today after the recap. But 
Uh, you can go down to the show notes, see when the uh, breakdown starts. And of course, I always uh, recap picks and plays at the very end from top to bottom, the same order I recap, the same order I break down. At the very end, we will recap the picks and plays, and uh, that'll be from top to bottom. So you can always fast forward to the very end to save yourself some time and save yourself the crime of having to listen to me. So, um, you know, I still get some credit for the engagement, not as much. So uh, it's actually it actually hurts me. But for what it's worth, uh, for for the haters, the people who don't want to wait, or anybody who is considered in between that spectrum, I feel you. I feel you. I'm trying to help you. So uh, we will get to it. Of course, we'll talk to some of the chat as we see the regulars in the house. My guy Mark Fellows in the house. Give me a Benny Al slash Aldana double. Boom! Thanks for coming. We'll get to those fights too. Uh, Ghost Phantom in the house. Hey Dan, congrats to Jimmy on being a mod. He did great in the MMA Today show, and I'm sure he'll do great here. Yes, yeah, he definitely has some experience doing that, and. Uh, you know, old Dana Claus over here, uh, you know, I would be a very poor uh, substitute for Santa Claus. Uh, I do, you know, I do watch, uh, <laughs> I don't watch everything, I'm not like Crashmore. I've seen every cock on the planet. <laughs> Someone's going to edit that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've seen everybody naked. Sorry, I'm a big I think you should leave fan. Uh, that's like all me and my girlfriend do is quote that to each other every day. So, uh, yeah, we'll try not to get too lost in the sauce here. And uh, we'll get to a synchro wing in the house. Nice, Jimmy is a mod, love it, Dan. He is a good one, strict but really good. Well, you know, I I will I will entrust him, um, and uh, you know what? Everybody here is either really cool or uh, or really weird. So, uh, if we do have somebody who's a strict mod, uh, setting the standard, setting the tone, I don't mind it, man. It's old school, baby. Karate walking around with the kendo stick, and you know what I'm saying? Like that that's what I came up in until I also got commercialized very shortly after. But anyways, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about the fighters and um. Oh, well, my last one here. We got Makoto Kayagoku. Why did you name the pod? Oh, you. Had, this was an old question, so I'm glad I'm making time for this uh, for you, uh, Makoto. Uh, why did you name the Protekinek when it could have been named South Pod Dominance? Just kidding. <laughs> but we really talk about we really talk about South Paws a lot. Yeah, we do. I apologize. It's kind of my thing, I guess. Becoming my thing, especially um, since people like you know like the South Paw Report uh, thing I did. I definitely wasn't trying to give myself more work to do. Believe me, but people seem to like it, and uh, I think it's pretty useful. And part of the reason why I do get bummed out with Twitter kind of going downhill because, not just for my own selfish shares and reference and all this stuff, and you for you guys to reference off my work and whoever wants to and all that good stuff. But there's really a lot of good analysts, a lot of cool videos, um, and stuff that are really helpful, and they just you know enrich everything from the content to our enjoyment. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing it for as long as I can. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Southpaw, obviously. Shout out to the Southpaw Podcast. Love Southpaw stuff. And protecting Neck, you guys know I'm a Wu-Tang fan. Part of the reason why I keep doing it, because, like, whether it's the Southpaw, Southpaw Stats, uh, the Protecting Neck Podcast, like, if I just gave in to, uh, you know, my darkest uh, desires at my darkest time, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this podcast thing. It's all good. I don't know why I'm talking like Trump right now. But, like, uh, you know, if I just, like, just decided to do that, like, as much as I'm, like, you know, um, you know, complaining about being hated or, you know, not, 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 not popular, uh, I'm sure a lot of my ideas will be picking up and taking because that's how it is. And we will maybe talk about some of those ideas that seem to be brought up in, like, the conjecture of the beach balls. You know, every week we get confirmed things, and which is, you know, again, which makes my results. Again, we went... Uh, Oh, what did we do? Minus, 
We had a bad, we had a bad week, week, week another one, did we? Losing one? I know, surprise. Minus 3.28 uh, units on UFC Vegas 74, which we're going to recap right now. I'll get to you guys in the live chat maybe before we kick off. Uh, you know, the breakdown after this recap. And, of course, chat cleanups at the end. Um, if you guys want to hit the super likes, I don't deserve it, especially today, uh, especially of late, especially, especially. But if you do, you get priority. And it's not exclusive. No exclusivity. As you can see, it's all love here. I'll answer you guys anyway. Um, da -da -da -dum. But yeah, uh, we'll get to uh, your comments. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's see. Yeah, we went minus 3.28 units. Uh, and that's kind of the annoying thing about just the, the, the losses. Not just, no one likes losing. I don't like losing. Um, you know, it gives more fuels for like the haters and bottom feeders. Yeah, that's all like normal stuff for everybody day to day. But, you know, it, it just sucks too to the, the, the extra irony of like, you know, like. I know I'm going to get the red light, but do I have to, like, come up to it as it goes yellow? And does it have to let everybody go before it lets me and then skip my turn and I have to wait twice? Like, I already I already resigned to, to the red. I'm not, I'm not butthurt about it. Do you got to twist it in there and, you know, see if you can mess with me there? And that's what I feel like I go through every week. Maybe we'll come across those topics as we go through. But overall, for UFC Vegas 74, we went 8-5 and five overall in picks. Uh, not bad in the picks. Too bad we couldn't replicate it in the plays. It was kind of one of those nights. Um... You know, uh, like I tweeted, 2-0 and in straight plays, 0-2 in our totals. That's what really hurt us at the end there. 0-4 um, in props slash round flyers. So there was only four, and a lot of those are round flyers, .17, or maybe a quarter unit. Uh, we'll see what it was here. Um, so they're never that big. Same with the round robins. We only went one for four, which is like the usual. And unfortunately, one for four means we get zero nothing. Also means we went 0 for one on a long shot parlay because I always... Also, they're very small. Again, uh, parlay those round robins, which are also played very small. But uh, this equals to being, you know, again, uh, a lot of bets per card, even though, you know, there's only like two or three big bets each card that I do max. Um, you know, the round robin and the long shot parlay accounts for seven on its own. Then you throw a couple round flyers at the board. You're already at 10 bets. And, you know, maybe that's barely over a unit over the space of 10 bets, but it still looks at 10 bets. And when you're losing like I am, again, that's 10 losing bets. And as we'll talk about, because people um, love arguing, they love being right, but they don't love doing the work, which is why they love numbers, which is why we have saying that numbers don't lie, because we're too lazy to look into it, contextualize, find nuance, and God forbid, acknowledge each other in conversation. Um, yeah, uh, of course, the numbers bros will just feast on that, just like they do with the significant strike arguments that they go, and maybe they battered you, they battered my media colleagues in, you know, whatever accounts, replies, having their arguments... And citing that lovely screenshot, just like I love the MMA decision screenshots, because that, of course, hammers the point home, and uh, and it's annoying, and you get people uh, on the, uh, you know, on that side of it, and then you get people that are on the more educated side of it, um, that are, like, defending, and, like, I'm half in agreement with, but then they're, they're still missing things, too, maybe we'll get to that, but yeah, that that's kind of what it was. Of course, it was headlined. We went five and one on the main card, which was nice too. And like, if you look at the rounds to the methods, I almost picked them exactly, especially if like the third round of the opening fight of the main card and the headlining fight, which we'll talk about between Amir Albazi and Kai Kara France, goes slightly differently. That's a, that's a profit and a, and even more of accurate analysis. But 
even though, you know, again, everybody always gets, you're crying. Even It's like I recap results for like almost a decade now. I'm not supposed to recap results. The people, the same crying crowd is the same accountability crowd. But yet, you know, most of the people in podcasts they follow aren't as accountable as me. But yet I'm the, I don't get it. Make it make sense. But yes, uh, just like as well when I, I, I get asked this all the time. And even just last show, and we had the perfect example. Somebody asked, what is the difference between analysis, picks, uh, and uh, and bets and or bets and analysis and I was like, well, analysis feels the picks and feels the bets, but technically they are all three different things. And again, we went five and one in picks. The analysis was awesome, uh, and it doesn't mean the picks are going to go good. But the picks did actually do pretty good. We're eight five overall, five and one on the main card, where I put the majority of my study stake as a better and so forth. Uh, but it you know, gambling's a volatile sport. It comes down to luck, you know. Uh, I'm not hating. I'm happy for it. Whether it was listeners of this show that was in my DMs showing me their tickets or friends of the podcast. I had a bunch of people that, you know, I'm not going to get too into it and beat a dead horse because I honestly didn't watch. I only bet I had uh, on this fight was that it didn't go the distance. And despite that bet, despite my night, yeah, it was already a losing night, but it was like, how much am I going to lose by? I was either going to lose by like another 20 unit loss night, you know, not 20 unit, a $20 loss lot night, so under one unit. Or it was going to be a 3.28 unit last night, right? It was good. It was kind of one of those swings. And even with that, even with me tra- championing the flyweight and lighter weight fighters and doing all that extra prep work and analysis and other things I do, because, again, it's not just the bets here, folks. Um, evergreen stuff, historical stuff, and other content I release and the like. I'm going to keep it real. I, I kind of lost interest in the fight. It wasn't that it was a bad fight. I'm sure it was a better fight if I was in a better state of mind to watch it. And hopefully that doesn't happen because I'm getting back with my man, Ant Walker, for the live chat. Be right back here at this channel. Got that thumbnail already queued up for you guys. Um, you know, for the final three fights live at UFC 289 we'll be doing. I will forget to promote that. So hopefully uh, things will go better so I can, you know, be able to just get my reps in and keep my betting bias out of the live commentary tracks. But yeah, to be honest, just keeping it real, I, I was kind of I was kind of checked out there. Um, I got excited for a bit with the round three because that would have cashed the ticket and it would have, you know, I said he was going to find a finish on the floor in the third round, I believe. Uh, was the call for Albazi. Um, I can't get too upset in the arms of, about the score because I didn't watch it, so I'm not going to get into those um, arguments, though we'll talk about some scorecards later on um, for fights that I did win. But yeah, like if people were like, you know, obviously everybody thinks Karkar or France for the most part should have won. And even people that are sensible enough to understand that a close fight can go either way. And please, people, whether it's my friends of the Couchside Judges, John Anik, Anik and Florian Podcast, you guys are hurting your points when you say close but clear. Not only is it an oxymoron, not only does it muddy your said point as I just previously stated, but those of you, especially those I just cited, I love you guys. It's all coming from a place of love here and it's nothing I wouldn't say to y'all in person. Uh, because you guys also know the criteria and know what the word close means and the fact that most of you guys especially those of you who are defending the judges, are saying, hey, if it's a close round, then why couldn't it have gone to the other guy? That's what the uh, more common sense logic that I agree with, mind you, um, are people saying about this fight for the main event. Uh, why can't we why, why, why can't we keep that same uh, same energy and same, and, and same note um, the other way there, being that uh, if we also go and say, on the other hand, that a fight is close but clear, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, that, that muddies your point. Competitive competitive but clear it was a if you don't want to if you're a commentator and you don't want to say 
You don't want to, you know, say it was clear and misguide the broadcast. You don't want to hurt a fighter's feelings down the line. All of those things that are wrapped into the same coal. Easy, easy solve. Say competitive. Don't say close but clear. Say competitive. We're talking about scoring competitive. If it was close, then say close, but don't say clear. That's an oxymoron. It's just really, uh, it's 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 just really, uh, really frustrating there. Um, but yeah, I don't have too many uh, uh, points on that. It is just funny to see everybody, you know, just argue and this and that. And and again, who who could have seen this coming, folks? Who could have seen this coming? Um, you know, uh, we'll get to it more with the, the, the same perpetrators when it comes to, you know, and the same results uh, in general. Because, again, I, I try, I, I'm not even somebody who, like, trashes the judges or anything. Like, I actually stay in the middle. Yet, like, my criteria media colleagues, like... Maybe because I'm on the part of the betting thing. Maybe because I'm the passionate motherfucker and I can come off like an asshole. I don't know what it is. Uh, probably a combination of all those things. Uh, you know, they're kind of, uh, come see, come saw. And then, you know, uh, you got the other side. Uh, just like trashing it. I'm, I'm not even like trashing the judges or anything. Like, I respect them. I'm just more hammering down and getting upset over the same themes that keep happening. And they're not only are they not getting acknowledged, you guys are completely missing it and just arguing with one another. You know, we talked about it when it came to, who, who, who I talked about it here. When, you know, and, 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 and you know, bless Sheehan and, and, and the work he's done. And, again, my guys, Couchside Judges, Dan and, and uh, Scott, I always shout all them on this show, as well as my guy Aaron Bronstetter that took the course. And I'm probably going to take the course, too, more just to, you know, hopefully have some sidebars, experience, education. I'm not going to flaunt it around, though hopefully that will mean my colleagues will take me more seriously. Hopefully my experience <laughs> says enough of it. But people are also bringing it up, like, you know, these commissions are getting very gatekeeping. Again, shout out to my guy Aaron Bronson of the TSM MMA show. But it doesn't help that these commissions are getting gatekeeping. I think that's something we can all agree on. Uh, everybody should understand the criteria more. Yes, yes, this and that. But also, yeah, like they should be explaining it and helping the education process instead of being very boys club about it. You know, Goddard did great. Warner did great. The judge, the referee. But Mazzulli, the head of the commission, all due respect to him, just he carries a lot of that boys club thing that you would stereotype, you would lobby, and that they don't do themselves any favors of not showing. Very boys clubish, uh, just you know. And again, and then you you had a bunch of people, you know, going, oh, even media colleagues going, damage, damage. No, it doesn't mean anything, damage. And it was well-meaning. It was in line, in spirit, with what the criteria and the judging were trying to get on the same sides and really buckle down to this interpretation and stick to the changes that were made in 2017. But I said it. I said it. You stop using that word damage. It's impact, first of all. Damage only applies to the 3Ds. And you're going to run the risk of overcorrecting the steering wheel. And hence why I'm always screaming big slot punches getting over-rewarded. Because it only encourages more reductive judging, both by the people who matter first and foremost, the judges, and as well as the general public. You're just a lot of reductive judging. Oh, well, that was the biggest shot of the fight. you know. And I'm not going to get into that whole thing. But it's, it's just funny. I, I called all these things, and people are having these same arguments. You know? Um... Uh, I've spoken certain criticisms of certain people to their face privately, and now I'm seeing other people publicly in these spats with other media members just throwing mud. Um, you know, I don't agree with it, but they're you know, it, but they're also some of the things they're saying in spirit. Yeah, I, I do agree with because there's a very kind of a gate a gatekeepy attitude, and I especially take resentment with that because if anybody can have that gatekeepy attitude, it's any media members who actually you know have experience in the sport. My experience is small; it's nothing 
special to write home about, but it is more than 90% of my colleagues for what that's worth. And it was probably 95 to 99% when I, when I first got into this, which wasn't too long ago, but yeah, we're coming up on a decade now. Um, and if anything, I could be that way. Like these mother, they don't know what a body shot. They don't know what a leg kick. And I don't do that. In fact, I say the different, I encourage others. I give them a platform. I give them encouragement. So I hate this gatekeepy shit, and that's going to be the end of my rant for the judges thing. I talked way too much more about that. Alex Caceres defeated Daniel Pineda via unanimous decision. Again, I don't know how it went to decision. I know I wasn't the only one, so I'm not playing a violin or anything, just explaining how volatile this is. Um, it, it went the whole distance. It was pretty fucking crazy, right? Um, and But again, the, the, the analysis was there. Uh, Pineda was almost going to get submissions in the, in the under, and he almost did in both rounds. Uh, if not, he was going to get lit up for his dipper, dipping propensities to the head and to the body, just like I laid out both in video and text form for my Southpaw report. So again, the analysis was right. Uh, the pick was wrong and the bet was wrong in this case. And that was the only pick that I got wrong on the main card. And, and you know, and again, I'm not hating. I, I, uh, listeners of the podcast uh, that, that you regularly share me slips and DMs, you could, you could speak up for me. Uh, I've I've given you guys nothing but positive. I said, you know, good on you. Never sore losers, sour grapes here. Uh, but it's just one of those things where I could be five and one. The analysis can be correct. I come out on the losing night, and again, I had listeners of the podcast, friends in the community, literally just putting like taking a side and riding on a dangerous fight, um, like Caceres Pineda, and you're not even getting pick them lines like we'll talk about the co-main event for coming up for UFC 289 which I did pick a side and ride so if you want to accuse me being somewhat of a hypocrite there okay but Pineda and 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 Caceres was a crazy fight and I, I had friends throwing three five I had a friend throw six units on it uh to take a side on on the Caceres side so luckily I think all of them like cashed and made out and that like saved their night you know um and like I had other friends that I had a bunch of friends that like Albazi was like hinge their night on parlays on straight plays and they were all one with class and like they knew they got away with one and all and that's all cool right bonus points but i was just like dude just cash it don't matter like cash that shit enjoy it but it just goes to show like that's the difference i, I can do all the work in the world can get the analysis right the picks right and i'm still a motherfucking loser right there's no ands if or, but, ifs or buts about it i'm a loser and you know people and even if and i'm not talking shit like Friends of podcasts and DMs have been themselves placed irresponsible ass bets, <laughs> and they cashed and made out. That's this fucking game, man. That is life. It is not fair. So we 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 sack up, and uh, we play again. Uh, Jim Miller defeated Jesse Butler via KO. I uh, thought it was gonna be submission when I saw how much Butler likes to throw himself into guillotines and get his back taken. Uh, otherwise, my initial pick was actually first round KO. Uh, should have stuck with that, I guess. Didn't really matter too much uh, because Jim Miller wasn't in the round robin. And like I said, I kicked for coverage. I actually got it. I mean, it's minus 200, you know. But at the same time, like I was talking to my guy Braschuk, and, you know, people like that gave me crap. That, you know, they're just like, no, the Song and Dong line was the best line. It's like, good for you, man. I had Clint on here and, you know, gave him his flowers too, like about taking Song and Dong. But, like, people were just giving me shit for, like, taking the Simone song under like minus 135 and like I feel like that aged well you know and it's not that again nothing taken away I'm a big plus money guy you guys know I'm not trying to be a hypocrite or hate on anybody's parade there but when people who have been doing this for a while you know shout out to my guy Braschuk there uh, MMA analysis podcast people who have been doing this for a while um, you gotta know how to play hindsight you can't play hindsight sour grapes you can't play hindsight I'm the fucking best which is both real attitudes are really common in the space and suck to be honest um, you have to just honestly take the information and look at it and go, 
holy crap, you know. Um, yeah, even though the minus 200 is not a sexy line, we were getting literally the most proven guy, Jim fucking Miller, the most biggest uh, experience discrepancy you need to see to ever take place in 30 years of octagon sample size. Guy stepping on at a couple days' notice. We're not going to play the minus 200 or even under minus 300. You know, in hindsight, when you look back at those things, especially for the bigger betters that follow me that actually lay big units, um, these are the things you need to think of, you know, in hindsight. So that made my night, you know, even though it was a losing night. Jim Miller, and we'll get to another winning bet, but just call that made my night for uh, analysis. Of course, Tim Elliott defeated Victor Altamirano. That was awesome. Uh, to see Tim Elliott come through, uh, I know you know he didn't uh, get a f quite a finish, uh, like I thought would have been nice to cash that under there, right? That would have made up for a lot, I'm sure. Actually, probably would have helped us come out on top if that under cashes. Can't remember the fight exactly. Not trying to be sour grapes, anyways. Uh, but you know, in my defense, you know Elliott did want the finish, like he was talking about, like I thought he could get. But uh, it was almost that Altamirano's wrestling was too bad and. Tim Elliott was almost was just too, was too gas like he he said you know just didn't have a uh, you know a performance he was proud of but I uh, hope he feels a little better. Kareem Silva defeated Caitlin Souza via submission. wasn't off a front choke. It was a brutal leg lock that I'd care not to see again. But submission first round. The call was right nonetheless. Also successfully faded member of the Nuragamida family. <sighs> Sorry, I just had to do that. Um, and uh, Elisa Dileski Descantos beats Abubakar and Ravagamadov via split decision. Oh, Dan, well, here you should be happy. At least you got a bounce here. Like, And that's the annoying part. It's like, yeah, I got a split against uh, a Russian Ravagamadov. Like, I could see how that could feel like a bounce, but it really wasn't. The right guy effing won. You know, and that was the annoying part about the two fights uh, prior, uh, main card fights prior to this. You know, what was it? Johnson Fajeda the week before. And I think it was another Fortis fighter as well, which I hate. Fading those guys I had nothing to do with those. I all respect to Coach Safe and the gang, um, but I just had my analysis reads. They went as is, and then you just you know, you still lost in the second round. Oh, it was Means Morono, right? And but the annoying part was, and that that proceeds for this fight. So that's three main card opening fights in a row. Um, the guy who worked the legs and or body slash the guy who countered and or worked the legs and body. Check check check. I believe for all three, we're talking Means. We're talking. Uh, Michael Johnson, and we are talking uh, Elisa Zaleski Dos Santos. Um, that was it. You know, I was listening again. Uh, shots to my guys, Couchside Judges, and my guy Dan Urban. Dan Urban. So he's he's, he's my right hand man. Jersey Jim, Jersey Jersey, uh, Jersey's own. There's a couple of Jersey guys there. Um, I was pulling my hair, and I I I I I, I talked with with my with my man Scott privately. It's nothing I don't say to him. And go listen to the Couchside Judges. Give them a positive rating and review. But like. You know, they were like, hey, what, what, what was the, I don't understand why these rounds are close. And I was like, guys, I was just in your DMs telling you that there's another, not only is again, like I just said, and just can correlate with three fights in relevant capacity, we get the guy, uh, we, we get, you know, the guy getting gypped on the scorecards and clown, in, in rounds they clearly won, uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, anyways, means round one, Michael Johnson round one. Well, Dan, you bet on all these fighters. Okay, fine, just literally and this is the thing take my betting bias or whatever people that go look at go look at those three guys Tim Means oh he's got a lot of uh, decisions split decisions that you know uh, should have gone his way maybe didn't you know uh, Dar uh, Michael Johnson right when they do actually go to decision like his fight with Darius, right um, Elisa Zaleski de Santos right go back to multiple uh, iterations all the way back to Rick's story right body puncher 
right? Anybody who count Jay Haran Ben Askren, right? Go look at that fight. Uh, counter punching, right? Uh, Chris Curtis will talk about counter punching and working the body. Literally pick any fighter from any weight class, from any iteration of the criteria over the sake of this fucking sport who works the body and counters. Maybe some little bit of leg work in there. Leg work a little bit easier, especially in these days. Judges are a little bit better about getting that and, 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 and grading that feedback that isn't there to be fair with the body. But yeah, it's across the board. Take my fucking bias. Go do, go do the research for yourself. You will find a disproportionate amount of split decisions to disagreed upon rounds, even if they ended up being unanimous. And I'm just, I'm just going to keep shouting from the fucking, from the fucking clouds here like a, like a crazy old man while everybody goes, I wonder what is going on from the people who are ignorant that don't read the criteria to the people I greatly respect who do. I don't know, folks. I, I, all I can do is keep pointing to the sky and saying that it's blue. Maybe people will eventually see what the fuck we're talking about. Uh, shouts to the Protecting Pro- Pro- podcast listeners who, who take that in and, and stomach these fucking rants and are a step ahead. Daniel Santos defeated Johnny Munoz via decision. Don't much to say about that. Dante Mays defeated Andre Arlovski via TKO. Very bum out again. And again, not just Ar- you know Arlovski losing. I was prepared that he could have lost there. Yeah, he's thinking, how you doing? I know. You're going to have to hold the Goshishi. I'm going to try to get through as fast as I can, okay? My dog, my big dog is here. Uh, unfortunately, the big dog in Arlovsky didn't come through. And again, it's not that, you know, I expect that we could have hit the red light. It was just that classic, uh, again, where, you know, the first round, the analysis looks right. He's counterpunching. And, uh, you know, the round still gets kind of scored against him and split, you know. And I get, I actually understand this one, but it's also the thing I hate the most. Again, again, fundamental on balance fundamentally sounds striking because that translates to what? Uh, effective striking. It translates to what? Impactful striking. Impactful striking is effective striking. Effective striking lends itself to impactful striking and vice versa. What connects those? Like analysts connect, analysis connecting picks and bets. Well, that's fundamentals from the ground up, literally. That's why it's important to know these things if you're judging these fights too, to understand certain styles uh, in this and that. And I don't know whether it's wrestling, jiu-jitsu, striking, uh, countering is an effective style since the beginning of fucking time. I don't know why now we're just steering away from it. You know, it's weird. Like, we all agree with the adage, like, the shots you don't see are what hurts you most. Counters. The shots that fighters fear most than headshots. Body shots. And again, it's kind of ironic. Those are the things that get the short end of the stick, even admitted by high-level judges like Clemens Werner. But again, I'm just talking about out of my ass here. Uh, of course, you know, Dante Almeida for- throws some slop to steal the round, which I hate, but unfortunately... His slop, A, it did land. And even if they're arm punches, especially when they're heavyweights, they can hurt you. And Orlovsky did give enough feedback for it to be hurt for you to justifiably score the round for Orlovsky. So not coming at anybody who did. Just a pet peeve of mine who likes actual consistent work and rewarding it. John Castaneda defeated Muin Gafroff via unanimous decision. Um, didn't watch too much of that. Muhammad Naimov defeated Jamie Malarkey. Crazy. Uh, hearts out to anybody. I don't want to like be like, oh, I dodged that bullet and like make you guys feel bad about it. I picked Malarkey too. I could have just as easily been burnt by that. I did stay away. Uh, so hearts out to anybody who didn't. And I'm a big Malarkey fan. I know I make the Ted Danson jokes, folks, but but you know, big Malarkey fan. Elise Reed defeated Jinyu Fry. You know, decision, close fight. You know, feel for Fry, even though I picked Reed. Uh, Damone Blackshear defeated uh, Luan Lacerda via TKO. Shout out to my guy Clint again. Uh, I liked his weigh-in show, and he convinced me to lay a little bit on Blackshear. That was a stupid number. I picked Lacerda, and, and for good reason, which is a dangerous reason when somebody looks good in, like, a defeat to Cody Stamen. 
but he did look really bad on the scale and that was more of a fade on that but we could not get into round three which of course that would have happened that would have just paid off uh you know could have potentially paid off the night because uh, it was like some crazy plus 2600 number or something we had philippe Linz defeated maxim grishin didn't watch that and that ends the recap at 30 minutes not too bad uh, gonna clean up the chat uh, in here. Um, hey, I got my guy Dan Urban in the chat. Jersey, Jersey. We got Peyton Salmon. Women's MMA should never be a pay-per-view main event. Well, probably not alone in that thought, but you know what? There's there's a lot of you know the sport has come a long way. If I can uh, defend it, and um, this is a fight that I'm I'm excited for to be honest. So, you know, uh, say what you will there, my friend, but you are welcome to your opinion, sir. James Kendrick, eight to five. That's a good. Uh, eight to five, that's good, right, Dan? Uh, eight to five, uh, eight out of five. Yeah, 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 that's pretty good in picks. But you know, again, doesn't equal out to a uh, to a winning. Uh, da, 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 da. Rio says in Truesdale, most of the neckers here like looking at the tape and not the stats. We get that the film of the fighters' habit and tendencies are more important than stats. Absolutely, and again. Not a day goes by, a week goes by where the stats are incorrect. Not just on the night, but like in general. How long have they had to fix the control time for Knight and Amir Khani? You know what I'm saying? And obviously control time is not a part of the criteria. or It, it is, but it's not a, a, a heavy part or a, 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 it's a tertiary condition or part of a tertiary condition even at that. Maybe at that, like you, you're not using it. I'm not trying to put that out there, but it's the point that they get the stats wrong. I'm not trying to put value in control time. Um Edgelord, VB Anko. I scored the fight for Kai Carl France with round four being the clearest for him. One, four, and five. Uh, I can understand three where you can give it to Albazi since the reversal was late. That That's the opinion that I'm hearing generally. I haven't ha had time to go back and watch back myself. Goes Phantom, don't worry, Dan. I don't complain about close fights unless it's blatant robbery where it wasn't competitive and the decision goes to the fighter getting beat up. Uh, Makato Kayagogo, can you explain the term overreaction? Uh, uh, the term overcorrecting the steering wheel. Sorry, my English is second language and some idioms fly over my head. No problem. When I say overcorrecting the steering wheel, it means everybody can make a mistake, and that's something we all need to keep in mind, whether it's the refs or the officials or me or you. But because it's human nature, and that's oftentimes what I'm speaking to and why I don't, let's get the pitchforks and kill this ref or judge. No, that's not my energy. Uh, I'm usually speaking to human nature. And human nature is when we make a mistake and we go one way, um, we want to go the other to avoid the mistake, and there's nothing wrong with that. But human nature will cause us to sometimes overcorrect the course, right? Sometimes we're heading in course and we get a little bit off course in the ship. Oh, we got to correct the course and go straight. But sometimes we overcorrect because that's in human nature. We don't realize it till we get a little further down the line and we still miss the destination. We just went the other way. So overcorrecting the steering wheel in terms of MMA and officiating, you'll see a judge may or a ref maybe stop a fight early. They're trained to refresh themselves just like the officials are, but they're also human beings. So it wouldn't be crazy to see them later in the cart overcorrect the steering wheel, maybe let a fight go a little long. So that's what I mean by overcorrecting the steering wheel. We do it ourselves. We're prone to it. Let's get tacos. My guy, Dan Urban. Greatest KO of all time. Uh, Jin Karasu. What do you think of analysts that get... Excuse <coughs> me. They pick wrong... And make excuses uh, saying the fighter they pick should have prepared better. Oh, that's bad. That's bad luck. I mean, you know, there are valid criticisms like that. But, uh, yeah, just own up to the pick and uh, separate that, you know, as best you can. I, I try as best I can. You know, I get passionate, so I'm not going to 
sit here and, and judge everybody. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, da -da -da -da. Aunt Jen, it's worse when a guy gets brutally beaten and the capper says something like, we were on the right side, he just got caught. Yeah, there, 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 there's that too. Um, Dan Urban, I think Easy DS landed all that many to the bo I didn't think Easy DS landed all that many to the body in one of the rounds. Uh, another round we discussed worked well to the body, especially in the clinch. So I get it for that round. Yeah, and I heard you say that, Dan. And that's also the round that I tweeted. And I, I tweet these for a purpose, folks, where um, the clinch knee to the body and chest, he actually landed a, quite a few of them in round two, Easy DeSantos. And that was the um, that was the, the best shots of the round. And I get upset with this because even in high-level judging meetings, like for example, I actually got to listen to the top judges discuss their scoring of O'Malley Yan. And nobody mentioned, they went through the whole room, if I can peek, peel back the curtain that far, nobody mentioned um, Peter Jan's body kick to O'Malley, which was arguably, slash, I would say easy, or easily arguably, the hardest shot of round one. But again, body shot. And, and I know I, I, I hound the body work, but with Dos Santos, it was uh, body work in round two, but I was also speaking to the counters. His... He, his style is he kicks, and he kicks to the legs and body, but when he does punch, they're usually counters, and his defense isn't great. So not only do you have the thing where, like, you know, uh, Michael Johnson or Chris Curtis, I will argue that their defense is better than given credit for, especially Chris Curtis, uh, whereas a guy like Easy Dos Santos, I won't make that argument as hard. He is a counter striker, but a different style, obviously, and defense is not Easy Dos Santos' strong suit. So again, um more if anything more credence to anybody scoring against him for that reason like i get it but regardless of the levels that dynamic still remains the same what are we talking about here it's counter strikers right those are the hardest to uh decipher and they are hard to decipher it's judging is a hard job alone judging at counter strikes and small strikes in the exchanges holy crap even if you are in the right position which isn't always the case for the judges it's difficult so i, I definitely Definitely don't want to uh, get any of that. Dan Urban also adds the other round. I think he just landed uh, on hands and arms. Could very well be Dan and Scott actually go back to rewatch the rounds. They adjudicate. You guys know it, which I come clean on, and I admit um, I don't always have the time to do that. So uh, if Dan says that, uh, I obviously respect it. Makato Keogoku, think you can figure out which fighter I'm referring to here. What do you think of an orthodox fighter that throws a lot of low kicks that parlays into side kicks? And throws a right straight to the body. Um, are you talking about Tisha Torres? Uh, you can let me know in the chat. Um, when the opponent is near the fence, using the jabs. Sorry, I'm gonna try to get to uh, uh, get on with it here, folks. I'll save the rest of the questions later. But uh, Ghost Phantom says, speaking of malarkey, we got to see Ross Pearson, who was cool. That is cool. Yeah, Ross Pearson. Um, da -da -da -da. Thank you, Dan. That's a good explanation. You're welcome. All right, let's get on with it. Uh, we got. I, I promised that I was going to read some. Uh, what you may call it? Uh, podcast reviews again. If you're listening, I don't really deserve it, and I know you guys don't want me to get on, but just let me say, if you could just take the time, I really would appreciate it. If you're listening on the future, um, five star ratings and reviews really help. Uh, not that I deserve it, but I don't know if I deserve the one stars that I've been getting hit with. So if you guys can hit with some five-star positive ratings and reviews, it really does help everybody. Just do it for all podcasts, even if you don't want to do it for mine. But uh, I would appreciate I would appreciate that. Like this video, subscribe. Uh, I'm going to go to some of uh, the reviews uh, here, and let's see what we, what we got. Dan, this is the worst podcast ever, and you suck. All right, five stars. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Five stars, good stuff. Hung Solo 7, all right. 
All right, Hung Solo. Here we go. Smart, but not too serious analysis. Okay. Seems like a good dude. I'll take that. Uh, worth a listen if you're into gambling or just watching MMA. I really appreciate that in all seriousness. I don't, I can't take compliments very well, though I, despite uh, technically asking for them, I guess, here. Uh, someone says, Dan Tom, uh, it was, uh, this is uh, Herb, Herbish86. Dan Tom is the MMA analyst. I hope it's not like as in the James Krause, but I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> whoa. Oh, phrasing. Dan Tom provides the best fight now. I don't know about the best, but I appreciate it. I can't even just, Dan, just read the review. You don't have to just self-deprecate yourself every fucking second. Dan Tom provides the best fight analysis in the game. Compared to Dan, other analysis is basic at best. Wow, that is really too kind. There's levels to the game, and when you listen to Dan Breakdown Technique, it's truly mind-blowing. Come for the analysis. Stay for the sick references. Ah, I appreciate that someone appreciates the references. That I will take. Thank you very much. Someone else says, great show. Uh, uh, that's, this is Ghost from YouTube. Oh, hey, Ghost. Is this you, sir? Great show and great analysis of the habits of the fighters you break down. Uh, my favorite MMA podcast from... Aces up, Doc. Come for the picks and prognostication and to see if there are any bets you'd like to tail. Stay for the Denver Clark, President David Clark. Or hear him say, Tanner Bowser. Uh, someone says pass. It's fine. Um, one star. Uh, they put a, a penis emoji there. Okay. Um, might be okay for others, but too much whining and non-fight talk for my taste. Uh, all good that that's your opinion, but again, most people, when they say whining, they refer to, like, the recapping and the non-fight talk. Um, that's just part of the show, folks. Sorry. Uh, keep it tight. Try to keep it segmented where I can, but, uh, yeah, there we go. All right. Um, done. Between Heavy Hands and Dan Tom, give me a five-star rating, despite saying stop complaining. It's fine, I guess. Uh, I, you know, you could say that to, like, people who've made their living on it. Of course, I and making a living but not a living like the Bill Burrs or anything of the world but I guess that could apply to them too and again I don't like listening to me so you're not you're preaching to the choir between heavy hands and Dan Tom I've learned more about fighting slash MMA than any other podcast Tom is a really talented writer and smooth voice but he complains a ton instead of focusing on complaining maybe say five seven minutes to focus on energy highlighting minority voices in the MMA community question mark uh, isn't that what I do I kind of highlight minority voices, bring them on for platforms, highlight minority causes, talk about things that people aren't talking about but are still relevant and come up on a week-to-week -week basis. But okay, again, don't have to like me. That's what I'm saying, folks. That's what I'm saying. Um, da -da -da -da. Uh, solid analysis, terrible openings. Fight analysis is good, but I have to skip through Dan's opening mall dogs where he constantly plays victim. That's right, playing victim. And he says, I'm not being a victim. Uh, yeah, I guess when only when people take the time to uh, give me one-star ratings and call me victim all the time, despite I literally am having my most productive and have been making the most money. Again, I keep my gambling stuff separate. I keep that apparent for fun and accountable uh, for public record. But I've literally been having the most success this year um, in and out of MMA outside of the gambling and the most productive in and out of MMA. But okay, that's real victim shit, man. Doing my dream job. Got a beautiful girl. Got amazing dogs. Uh, my mom just, uh, we just uh, got her to uh, get, to find that she can actually go back uh, home and spend the rest of her days there. Man, I don't know, we're kicking ass over here, man, but if you want to call it victim, I mean, I think that's a little more of you being a hater than me being a victim, but okay. I did say victim seven times, and these numbers people, since they can't comprehend nuanced context uh, or anything else, they will probably say to that. New to the show, loving what I've heard so far. Found out the show about Twitter. We'll definitely listen more in the future. The best. 
Dan puts in the work. Thank you for all the five star. Anyways, only a couple negative ones there. Uh, I still read it because I stay accountable. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that'll come off as complaining or hurt or whatever. But yeah, uh, if you guys want to give the five star ratings and reviews, uh, believe me, that's nothing. You see what like people just uh, message me and DM me on the regular. I it's finally starting to die down a little bit, but I don't know. I I just. Uh, it's 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 funny man like now it's just hilarious because you're just outing yourself like you clearly don't have a life because i am moving on uh and we are gonna go to uh let's see here we got that uh oh yeah we got amazons also mixedmarshallanalyst.com if you want to support this here free show mixedmarshallanalyst.com uh, at Dan Tom MMA, as you can see on the uh, name tag there. Uh, there's actually a secure PayPal link uh, in the uh, at Dan Tom MMA link tree, but if you go to mixedmarshallanalyst.com, my website, the website that supports this here program, uh, it will, uh, you can uh, kind of scroll and toggle down to the right. You'll see Amazon and Onnit links. If you shop there, you click through to your shopping. Sends uh, no, none of your information, though if you do purchase from from Amazon, it will tell me what you bought. It doesn't tell me who you are. It doesn't give me any of your payment information. Privacy is kept. If you want to have a David Carradine one night in Bangkok, have yourself a hell of a time, you go ahead and do so. Click the link. Costs you nothing but an extra click or two, and it sends back a small percentage of your purchase. And now extra charge to you back here to this program, which I actually go out of pocket for uh, to give to you guys because, again, I offer a free program here. So, again, I've been doing that. For a decade, oh, 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 close to it. So uh, again, five star ratings, reviews, appreciated. Let's see what was bought last uh, seven days because we actually did one. Uh, Somebody bought. Okay, that wasn't cheap. Got, uh, old school movie fan, huh? Godfather trilogy pack. Appreciate that. That wasn't cheap on the uh, old Blu-ray. Lord of the Rings. We're getting, we we knocking out some standard box sets for uh, it's not Christmas time, is it? All right, fellow movie person, always appreciate the movie purchases. You guys know I will always read those out. Somebody else got a Diafield steamer for clothes, foldable, handheld for clothing wrinkles. All right. Uh, Street Ford, some weird name. Shock absorbers. Those weren't cheap. Okay, I don't know what shock absorbing you're buying but that that's pretty fucking cool thank you for buying that for the click through and we are done look at that all right let's get to the breakdowns and stuff um da -da -da -da, james kendrick let's hear from the actual people who watch the show Jan dan does a good job of highlighting minority voices and i think it's important what is that dude in the ratings and reviews talking about exactly man like if you're gonna shit on me at least be funny like again and, and it's so easy like so many things like i actually agree on you like this guy's annoying this guy's a nerd he should shut the fuck up he's annoying uh talk less like i agree with all that but like when they get out there and say like i'm not accountable or i don't help minority voices or i was like at least get it right dog or at least be funny if you're gonna be wrong be funny you don't have to be right like just be funny be funny i'll appreciate it eh, nope um Jimmy Kuda, why are people giving you one star? Seems like people are angry for no reason. Uh, yeah, I, there is a reason, but it probably actually has to do with, with them being the viewer, and that is how they are lashing out. So, you know, there's that. Um, da -da -da -dum. All right, let's get to it. What are we at? 45 minutes here. We got UFC 289, headlined by Amanda Nunes versus Irene Aldana. Uh, of course, stepping in for Juliana Pena was supposed to be a trilogy. Actually, it was supposed to be this fight, and then they did a shuffle because the UFC just does weird things now. I don't know. Just throwing fucking darts. Who cares? Um, 
And we got this fight. Opens at about 6-1, to one, comes down to earth. Now we're looking at roughly minus 350 for your sitting champ. Amanda Nunes, come back on Aldana. Neighborhood a plus 260. Um, yeah, not the craziest line. We're, we're not getting air quote Ronda Rousey lines, but we're still getting that inflation that WMMA tends to get. Um, yet all the, uh, yet it has a smaller sample size than the men's size, yet a bigger sample size of big upsets, yet they don't seem to learn. Although they kind of do, because again, not open quite as wide, and it went a bit back down to earth. We've got some tighter numbers. Um, you know, had the weird juju vibes of like, oh, I think Aldana's going to do it. You know, is it, is it, you know, is it the, the, the wanting to be the underdog casher? You know, the gambling side, the degenerate side of you, Dan? Is it, if you're being honest, and I've been upfront about this plenty of times, and even though I pick her 90, 95% of the time, like John Jones, all you have to do is like pick against a, a perceived goat. Or just, like, not say something nice about them and, like, get full in your knees and suck the D. And people will be like, you're a hater. Just like, you know, I, I recap picks like, he's crying again. And not seeing the irony in that. Um, yeah, like, uh, I, I, I'm i not the biggest Amanda Nunes fan. She's a great fighter. I'm not a fan of her as a fighter and stuff. I just, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've just never been the, big, the biggest Amanda Nunes fan, you know. And, and, and nothing to do with the... Nothing to do with anything woke. It's too woke for me. Or anything, nothing like that. You guys know I'm a, I'm a big, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus, uh, you know, uh, uh, supporter here and all that stuff. Yeah, just not not the biggest fan, you know. But again, I'm, I'm honest to a fault to where I'll admit things like this that probably have nothing to do with anything. But I'll admit them. People will use it for fuel anyways. But hey. Um, yeah, no. And then I start watching it coming around. And I was like, oh, I had flashbacks to being high on Aldana and just... Wow, uh, talk, you know, perfect example of that home fight where you bet on a fighter and, you know, again, maybe I'm going to fall into that trapping that you guys said. Maybe I'm guilty here. You tell me. But that was a classic example where you pick and bet on a fighter where, and again, it's not the fight. It's my fault for betting. I'm not mad at Eldana, especially not, especially if you guys see where I'm going here. I already have seen where I'm going, right? Um, but yeah, it was just one of those classic things where the fighter you back in one way or the other shows up and easily has one of their worst performances to their own admission, mind you. And the other fighter has one of their best performances, right? And you're just like, holy shit. And Amanda Nunes' last fight when you're thinking, okay, not only did the bottom fall out, there's no speculating. Like, she's talked about retirement. We've seen her lose to a fighter she should not be losing to. And she comes out and has her best performance, and not just her best performance, but shows off a southpaw stance, with it, which, again, gives me a flashback to that home fight, which, again... Fast-forwarding or rewinding to prior Grasso and Shevchenko. Not that I was crazy for picking Shevchenko. I was aligned with the majority of the world. But one of the things I said is I, you know, I'm trying to be aware of camps and how they do against southpaws. Back to the southpaw analysis, right? That's my, my thing, I guess. I don't know. Um, whatever. But, uh, you know, does that camp not do well against southpaws? We don't have a big sample size of them going against southpaws. There's not a lot of southpaws of a high level of note in that camp. Hmm. You know, and you see her just going for the outside angle against home to where she runs herself in a circle and home gets opportunistic takedowns. We know that Amanda Nunes, especially with her newfound cardio of recent years, getting that in order, if you will, we have seen her being being able to go to the takedowns and fight for five round fights. So that obviously is an option she would be, you know, dumb to not go to here. Her team does very well at game planning, even better. Shouts to my guy Frank over there. 
uh, on Twitter. Even better, as he points out, that he ha- is one of the few. Fi- she's one of the few fighters that has a whole facility dedicated just to her. More common in boxing, not as much in MMA. She's in one of those rare places in her careers. Say what you will with the proverbial foot out the door. She's still in a place in her career where she can really get that focus and training. That is huge. Um, and, of course, they're going to see that. Of course, they're going to also see that, hey, this whole thing we've been working on uh, and the whole game plan that we brought in the last camp that worked so well, it actually could work really well if we copy and paste it into this camp, right? So there's that. But, you know, you hear Aldana, and it doesn't excuse some of the things, and even Aldana said so herself, it should not serve as an excuse to take away from Holly Holm, who, to her credit, had one of her best performances ever. But not only did Aldana look bad, perform bad, she also was dealing with injuries, uh, some COVID stuff, and other stuff that she didn't even want to get into because, again, she did not want to take away from home or the result of the fight. Uh, all class there. All respect to that. Uh, and then you look at her camp when they have a chance with Shevchenko. And I didn't go back and watch that with a fine-tooth comb. Um, it wasn't like she was schooling Shevchenko before she took advantage of it, but she was being very competitive. And they scouted her very well and was able to wait for that spin because, again, no matter how good you are, how technical you are, or if you're the one countering like Shevchenko, when you have a long dominant title reign what often comes with that is I don't want to say young and hungry up and comers Aldana is the same age but you do have up and comers you do have forget up and comers even let's get that word because again it it, it, it it associates perhaps um, unfairly with young but you just have a whole entire division watching you you've had a whole entire division that were probably fans before they got into the division watching you and have been planning to beat you been studying your game to either copy off it to bring it into theirs and as they got closer to use it to potentially beat you one day we've seen this story time and time again we've seen it from unsuspecting people that were getting big promotional pumps randomly right when when dana white randomly decides to promote brazilians it was really weird remember he did he's been doing it with amanda nunes he's he's, he's backed off that train if you notice but coincidentally or not so coincidentally when they were going through negotiations with cyborg that's when he ba- blast the nunes uh, thing on the She's like, ah, and running around with her two belts or whatever. And he had that. That was like a weird painting, like mural choice, right? But I had a theory back then, and it kind of holds up now. I think that was more because Dana White's a real personal guy, right? We've seen it with the the Affliction Elite XC, the Strike Force uh, tombstones that they kept in the Zufa offices, right? Like, this guy keeps track of that stuff, right? He's, he's, he, 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 he's, he's incorporated his competitive attitude into the art and design of his offices before i am not reaching here um so you got to wonder that but what's another rare brazilian that he decided to want to market and didn't make them go the you know the gilbert burns uh versus Bilal muhammad or charles Oliveira's we'll see versus uh benil dariush route right it was hen and barrow it was really random <laughs> but it was hen and barrow because he, he blasted faber out and it was almost like okay this is going to be the next thing i got to uh got to back this guy down here at bantamweight right and Burrell wasn't initially scheduled to face TJ Dillashaw at 173. Uh, but Dillashaw, despite not having a full camp and not you know, fully prepared, he, he brought in and came out and busted out a whole new game. You know, he wasn't exactly a spring chicken. Dillashaw's always quietly been older than people have suspected because of his younger face, but he was young back then, so I'm not trying to play that card. I'm just saying there are similar circumstances here. And even though the southpaw and the takedowns are going to be there, and ultimately, if that's what happens, nobody, including myself, should not be surprised, but ended up taking a flyer on the underdog, not just because it's MMA, which is volatile. You get a big underdog price. You really don't 
have to justify, but I, I do anyways, and I'll still get shit on anyways, but still, I will anyways. Um, not just because it's women in MMA, which is, again, extra volatile, extra low sample sizes, except for big upsets, which do happen a lot. Not because of the retirement talk, which is a huge betting angle, and enough for most, you know, bettors to go out there and be like, 10 units on this line, or 5 units on this, some irresponsible ass shit that they won't get shit for, but I will for showing my work for one unit fucking bets. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, man, it's, there are some stylistic things there. I think that physicality and size parity, I don't think Nunez likes. Duran Durandamy wasn't able to hold up in the grappling department early or late, which is why Nunez went to it. You know, even early on Nunez, where she was still wild and radical in that first GDR fight, right? Um, you go back and watch it. That's the first fight where she's kind of on the back foot and cautious. She didn't like the physicality of somebody who can, is big, can hit hard, and can strike. Aldana has all those three things. Uh, even Megan Anderson had arguably had some of those things, but obviously, you know, I, I like Megan Anderson. I'm not trying to be mean. Um, we all saw what we saw, even her just walking into that fight as far as the typical Tyson effect defeated before you got there. Not that she had the biggest chance on paper as odds to win in the first place. Uh, so I'm discounting her, uh, not to be disrespectful, but obviously, right? But you look at it, and yeah, I don't I don't think Nunez particularly enjoys that, right? Having someone else, you know, the grappling that was as physical as her, Kat Zingano, right? Before she had the tools to really fight more composed fights back then. Um, this is kind of a theme, and Aldana has that. And also, she likes to control the pace, right? Like, okay, even in fights where she was air quotes cruising, like um, the Pennington fight, uh, the GDR fight, the Pena rematch, okay? Um, the most dominant one is arguably the Pennington fight, right? We remember the fight should have been stopped after round four, which it should have. However, if you look at the stats and as well as go back and watch the fight, you will notice on both accounts that it's quietly one of the more competitive rounds, both by the numbers and otherwise, and round four in particular, which is weird. And that's a really small thing that probably means nothing, but if you hold on to that, and we fast forward now to the GDR rematch again, she's more well-versed, well-rounded, she can do things on the outside, she's got better gas tank, better discipline. She doesn't have to just stay on the outside and sell out for her grappling with the first time, but she obviously still incorporates her grappling. GDR had gotten better, but still not good enough to contend, despite even you know having submission wins over Juliana Pena and the like. But what happens in round four? It's not that someone she's gassing, even though you know maybe there is fatigue and stuff that could be part of it. That's why she goes and gets these takedowns to get the pockets to recoup, right? There is a bit of that, right? That Jose Aldo ness, you know, a great athlete, a great fighter, no doubt. Nunez Aldo, no, no shit. They also need their pockets to recoup, right? And in round four, you get GDR throwing up a sub and almost catching her, sweeping her over, and, and creating a very bad, uh, not a very bad scare, but a, you know, the closest GDR comes in the entire fight to ending the fight. Then we go to Pena, the rematch. She lost the first time, but we got the rematch, right? She's getting knocked down City those first three rounds, checking right hands all day. Um, but later on the fight, I believe round four, and I don't, I, you know, it says so in the submission attempts, and, 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 and I, I, I still don't want to, and I did go back and watch it. Um, but I'm so mistrusting of the submission attempts that even when I went back to watch it and it says submission attempts in round four and not round five, I still second guess myself. Like, was it in round five though? But no, round four, Juliana Pena gets a really close arm bar. She gets a couple submission looks there, right? She gets that really, really close arm bar. Um, and it's round four. And again, is it lapses of concentration? Is it the gas tank? Is it a combination of both? All I know is 
a person who has better guard game and guard submissions than both those girls is quietly Arina Aldana, despite not having Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu accolades. She actually has really tight arm locks from a bunch of transitions. You look at the one that she got that everyone from men to women always miss when they're falling off the back and they go for that judo-style uh, belly-down arm bars. They're falling high off of a back mount when a fighter is turtled. Like, the way she clasps on and, and just stays tight with her big frame and Besh Kohea's compact frame was just super impressive. And she's only been continually working her jiu-jitsu since then. She's quietly started with jiu-jitsu despite, you know, looking like a striker first fighter, uh, Arena Aldana. She's just an athlete who got in MMA a bit later. Um, so the age and stuff is a bit deceptive, you know? Is a bit deceptive, you know? Uh, so, like, it could take just a slip-up, right? And, again, pockets of recoup. You know, maybe this is like a, uh, you know, I, I referenced TJ Dillashaw Burrell, and we could also get a Max Holloway uh, Aldo dynamic in the pacing department where you're going to have a fighter who's going to start fast in Nunes, even though she's more disciplined now, and Aldana, who, even though she's got a decent amount of first round finishes because she's dangerous to her name, even in those fights, she actually has slow starts in the first round, even in the fights where she gets the first round finish. So I expect Nunes to have a good first round. Uh, but again, it's kind of like the Easy Dos Santos and uh, Nurmaga Madoff fight. I actually think he did rock and should have deserved to win the first round Nurmaga Madoff did, despite Easy arguably fighting his way back into it in the first. But I was happy he was rocked as a better, especially a third round better. This is what you want. Yeah, I want you to get that, not just the adrenaline spike of a fight, that adrenaline dump of almost getting a finish, and now you have to carry yourself the rest of the way against a fighter who's tough, durable, a war horse, Easy Dos Santos, Aldana, kind of of that breeds, durable, physical, dangerous, can finish on the fleet or on the floor. Aldana, by the way, she's going to be the not as good of a grappler, maybe you know, it'll be it'll be like this for strength, but as far as who is more active, who is more dangerous, who strikes more from the clinch, that is Aldana. Um, so she's dangerous from all phases, can finish on the floor or on the feet. Um, you know, she's been knocked down. The right hands are going to be there, right? Especially whether it's from Southpaw or Orthodox. Um, the takedown, she's, you know, she's been put in a bad, some bad spots before. We saw her go for submission, but for submission a little too much, despite still having an argument to win against Raquel Pennington, right, in that fight. Uh, but she still shows that she can, you know, pick up the pace and still kind of keep it going, keep it going, right? Um, having a big dominant grappler like Macy Chasson on top of her in the second round after she almost finishes her and almost, you know, goes through that trope trapping herself of almost getting the finish in the first round, still comes on. I know it was kind of a freakish finish, but she was still, you know, the more active, less tired fighter in round three. And following that sample size thought to pick back up that thread that, of course, I lost in my common fashion, you look at how she went against Shaysan, who primarily fights from Southpaw. Um, you saw Aldana. She still wasn't the most comfortable. She still got tagged, the common culprit, from home to Shesson was left hands, which again, Nunez only kind of started throwing those left hands. She wasn't really confident with it, but she only started throwing it a bit toward the end of the last fight. I'm sure Roger Crawl and company had been working with that, but it wasn't so much the lead hand. It, it was the power hand that was giving her problems, but Aldana's power hand was much more active and much more effective and much more impactful. She snuck it in from inside angles. She snuck it in in between punches before and after she found it down the power lane without having to frantically sell out for that outside foot angle like she did before. She was much more comfortable staying and playing at range. She has good radar for the kicks. 
So I'm not as worried about that here for Nunez, although I do expect Nunez to kick more. But Nunez, being that she likes jabs, uh, she will also be uh, open to some leg kicks herself. And Aldana has quietly used leg kicks a lot in recent years and looks to even throw hard ones even when the open stance look is there. So again, Nunez offensively, yes, but defensively, it's not like she's not a defensive uh, you know, uh, mastermind here we're talking about. So offense, as dangerous as Nunez is, she's playing on a two-way street with another dangerous fighter. So for that reason, I am going to take a shot on the underdog here to survive the storm. Uh, and even if Nunez comes in in great shape, uh, unlike in past past losses, right? Um, I still don't believe that she could. She, she's built to fight a high pace five rounds, and that's what she's gonna get. She's either gonna have to finish Aldana in the early going, the first couple of frames. I feel. Um, otherwise, you know, not that she can't win a decision. We've seen her before. She has the skills to technically the X's and O's match up. She's got to do it for 25 whole minutes without getting again these fourth round laps of focuses that are, keep keep happening in these fights that she's cruising. I don't even think this is going to be a cruising decision if it goes that far. I think it's going to be competitive all the way through, regardless if Nunez wins and does get the finish. I still think it'll be competitive. So for that, give me Arina Aldana. I got her at plus 255. I put one unit on that. Um, again, even if Aldana is having a masterclass performance, uh, she's also going to be in there dangerous someone for 25 minutes and let's be honest the, I, I feel like there's going to be a finish either way it's either going to be a Nunez decision or probably a finish either way and if that's my logic well you're going to post plus 500 on Aldana inside the distance when I think that's the most likely thing well I threw a half unit on that and hold on here it's only just it's only a little over two units total exposure so, so, so relax here but yes went a little crazy folks I .17 units, you know it, baby. .17 units, Aldana round three, plus 1,800. Aldana round four, uh, plus 2,000, .17 U. Aldana round five, plus 3,000, .17 U. And here's the special flyer. I officially picked round four sub. Again, we saw round four as the slip-up round, even in cruise control five-round decisions for Nunez, right? There's always one scare in the round four, it seems like. Or that's at the very least, the most competitive round. I got round four Aldana by submission at plus 666 at a zero to make it not quite the number of the beast at plus 6,660.17 you. I don't know what that, I think that's like over a grand if that hits, um, if she gets the arm lock in the fourth round submission that I'm calling for. Total, it's a little over two units, of course, that I'm putting on Aldana. But again, man, people put like three units and five units on this shit on fucking le less sample size and more crazier fights uh, on the regular. So um, I'm not going to let the haters dictate what I do. Uh, they can say whatever I want. I am L-I-V-I-N, and this is gambling, baby. Make no illusions about it. It's dangerous. It's volatile. You should know that. I remind it. I'm responsible that most don't hide from my record, which alone should tell you how dangerous it is, much less listening to me about it. But, again, analysis, picks, and betting results are all different things. Don't claim to be the best. Never did, which is why I am free Unlike the people who lead the hating campaigns and or violently follow, whether they're following dummy avatar nobodies who don't even show their own face, or billionaires and like diving in front of bulls like, leave the billionaires alone. Um, like, yeah, like, I, I, I guess, I don't know. They can keep doing that. I'm going to keep living my life because I'm, man. I mean, you're talking about the kid. Uh, you want to talk about my stats at eight. I used to think they were padding Jordan's stats because I'm such a fucking complainer. I, I really am a complainer. This is why it's true. 
I was a Bulls fan in the 90s, and I still complained. And I was a Jordan hater, despite being a Bulls fan. Because I was a Pippen fan, and they didn't give him the correct stats. And I felt like they were padding Jordan's stats. And even though it wasn't as malicious as I think, just to prove the points that stats are BS, even in sports with real sample sizes and much more organized practices and best in practices like the NBA. That's right, your, your, your man Dan Tom, as a, as a little boy in the 90s, would sit there with a notepad and count how many assists and rebounds and Jordan and Pippen and the team had. And I would wait for the paper next day, because this is before the internet, folks. I would wait for the newspaper, and I would compare tallies and calculate irregularities. So this is this is something that I this is something that I keep the same energy, um, and I've been on. All right, co-main event time. Let's get through this. Um, we got Charles Dubronx uh, Oliveira as your underdog, plus one twenty, minus one forty-five versus Benil Daryush. Uh, we got the two Jesus dudes. Jesus people, don't be mad at me here, but it's it's funny. It's like we've got uh, Oliveira, you know, who feels much more, and I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm speaking ignorant, ignorantly here. He much feels more like the, uh, you know, like, you know, the, the little bit of religion that I, I do know and read on. You know, when you actually read like who Jesus was before the, you know, all the crazy uh, fanat the fanatic start stuff starts, you know, being built around him. Like that seems like Charles Oliveira, you know. He seems like the more hippie, you know, hippie like Jesus guy, right? Right? Because that's what Jesus was, right? He was like, he was in there. He's like, I'm like, you know, you read about. I'm not a religious guy, but I, I read about like actual like uh, how how Jesus was apparently back in the day. This guy was like against political structures, was against like the system. He was like trash in churches. He was against organized religion. I'm like, I get along with this Jesus guy. I, mean, I would have followed him back in the day. Like that feels like Du Bronx, whereas like. Benny is like he's got the Crusaders helmet. He's got a so he's crusading. He's out there. He's just like not even missionary Jesus. He is, he is the Christ Crusader. <laughs> he's just going at it, baby. Um, you know he doesn't care if he's in Abu Dhabi. He's telling you to convert to Christ, baby. <laughs> that was so awkward. That was so awkward. I, I have no religious horses in the race, folks. I love you all. No hate. Don't get mad. I'm just saying that's, that's kind of my funny thing. But the actual analysis, of course. Um, I gotta call out the uh, hip hypocrite in the room, which is me. I've said that, um, you know, southpaws who can grapple, Dariush and Makachev, and perhaps I'll follow the same fate as I did against Makachev. But I said, I, I did say that these are the probably the worst matchups for Oliveira. Um, you know, when Oliveira was both coming up and just got the title, right? Um, and, and, you know, that's, that still does hold true. Obviously, holds true with Makachev, right? Say what you will. Uh, Oliveira can say what he will. No disrespect to him that he wasn't the same on that night. The fight played out as it played out. We got to respect those results, baby. Uh, but, uh, you know, as, as far as the, the Benil and going to watch the tape, we'll see what the results in the fight. And that's the only way we will know. We can pretend all we want, but we don't know. And uh, when I went back to look at the tape to try to get a, a better idea, to see am I am I really am I just sadness hedging? Is it is it really a bad styles matchup here? You know, and um and yeah yeah you know I I still think that you know he's still gonna have to walk through fire. There's gonna be the counter left hands and the body kicks. These are both things. Southpaw counters and body kicks, as I said in my Southpaw report. Oliveira, of course, four and two against UFC level Southpaws. Um, those are the common culprits as far as standing goes, right? Uh, well, on the ground, Southpaw Dan, of course. What else are we talking about standing? But yeah, those are the common culprits. And Benil Dariush does that. He does it coming forward. And um, you know, like a lot of fighters as they get older, even though he's an inherent pressure guy like Dubronx, uh, he's gotten better at doing it off the counter. Um, Charles Oliveira, of course, an underrated wrestler and perhaps underrated defensively. We'll, we'll talk slash page note round two of Makachev Oliveira here in a second. 
But yeah, if I were to give an edge on who has more technique, uh, who's probably the better wrestler all around, both defensively and offensively, yeah, I, my vote would probably go to Benny Daryush. Probably the more well-rounded grappler, although the obviously the more dangerous opportunist, the more dangerous uh, finisher, the more dangerous submission fighter, the most dangerous submission fighter, of course, he is the all-time submissions leader, recently ranked all 16 of those bag boys with GIFs, contacts, and fun facts attached. I don't just mail those in, folks. I actually put some work in those and, and try to do as best I can, even though it's just a silly listicle at the end of the day. Part trying to give you guys more history and evergreen stuff to work with. But yeah, he's probably the more dangerous there. So where does it change? Well, lest we not forget, of course, Daryush was uh, classified as potentially chinny, not just the three knockout losses. You go to the, you know, uh, you go to the fights with uh, Dober. You go to the fights with, uh, I believe, um, Dunham. Um, you know, and, and fights that he won or drew even, right? In other words, you, you will still find samples of Benil getting rocked. Of course, Drakkar close. Um, so, you know, again, defensively, which Benil will admit himself, I think he even made a joke in the press conference. He's like, yeah, I'm not defensively perfect. You know, um, so there's that there. Um, there's the argument that maybe, you know, both of them are just as chinny as the other. So to, to, to sit there and point this spotlight as if this is one strength and this is one definitive weakness is, is perhaps unfair to both fighters, no matter how you do it, right? So that's kind of how I'm approaching that. My read is more in the grappling. It's a mix between an old read of the Makachev fight where Makachev, he really did it. And, and, and you know, um, as far as draping his head over to the clinch side and this and that. But Neil, there are some samples where he, he his head will go to the left side, Charles's right side. But like Islam was religiously right side. Where, it's funny, religiously, uh, for all these guys, right? Um, maybe there's something there. <laughs> but where Benil actually religiously shoots, he shoots, especially because he's a southpaw and it makes sense, and I get this as a southpaw, um, whether I'm shooting from my southpaw stance or I do the, the, the lifting knee trick or front kick to kind of step into my orthodox stance so I can shoot as an orthodox into an orthodox stance. Either way, oftentimes my head is going to be toward the right side. Again, it's the natural side I'm going to as a southpaw. All your actions, you're trained to kind of own that outside angle, right, from striking and moving, right? So that's going to be pre-programmed in there. If you're looking from what is the least chance of running into a knee or an uppercut, those strikes that I just named typically and are more dangerous from the power side. And again, if you're typically going against an orthodox opponent, as you and Benil would, you would be shooting to the opposite. You'd be shooting to their left side, your right side, their left side, away from their power, right? Um, and as you can see in my Oliveira front choke, uh, threat uh, f finishes tweets where I, I, I do all his guillotines, darces, Bronx jokes is what he calls his anaconda variations, I should say. Um, <clears throat> you will see that he consistently feeds to the left side, even when he's like missing it, like with the Gaethje fight, right? Where he does the posture break knee, he tries to feed to that, just like he just like he was doing with Lentz. He's still doing it, you know, all the way, you know, to, to, to as relevant as Gaethje and, and, and Poirier and so forth, right? He's doing that feed. He's constantly looking for that feed. So not only will Benil be shooting into there, but Benil just kind of is lackadaisical. It's something that I was talking with my guy Ben Cohn, who is a much better uh, grappler, higher-ranked grappler, uh, more accoladed grappler than I. Bounce things off him, or I respect his analysis, and we were just chatting. I've had him on this program before here, too. i got to get him back on the top five. Um, but uh, and I was asking this, and I'm like, obviously I suck, but spiritually, uh, my, my base style is that, like, I'm one of those people who I'm very comfortable 
with my defense, very confident in my defense, and very comfortable working out of the negative positions. Now, the downfall of that is I, as confident and uncomfortable as I am, uh, guess where I get submitted the most, folks? In those negative positions, right? So that is one of those things. Um, and you see it, you know, like, you know, against Kiesa, you're like, the one thing you got, especially at this I mean, just in general with Kiesa even now, arguably, not trying to redu be reductive or disrespectful. I like Kiesa. Uh, but especially Kiesa back then, like, dude, the one thing you should have to prepare for is just don't let him take your back. Like, that is the one thing. The one and arguably only thing at that time. And he quad pods, tripods to get up, exposing his back, and is just kind of lackadaisical with it. He doesn't just do it. I'm okay with doing it. There are ways to do it. There are ways to do it. There are both technically right and urgently. He didn't really do either. So Kiesa, of course, gets his back. He pauses longer, doesn't do either, doesn't urgent, or isn't urgent, gets his back. And then even more so, still isn't urgent, isn't even fighting hands until it's way too late. And he goes against Moises, who he beats, but Moises, one of his things is guillotines or leg locks when he's on the bottom after he's failed on the guillotine. What does Benny do? He lets him drop for multiple guillotines where he's got the defense and ends up defending fine. But he's just so lackadaisical about it. Where like, man, if Moises had a better bite on some of those and didn't rush, maybe he could have made Penny, Benny pay, right? And you go and look, and you're like, he doesn't really face many of these guys. You're like, well, he did. No, look, he fought Tony Ferguson. I'm like, did he? You guys know I'm a big Tony Ferguson fan. You guys know I've done the uh, aforementioned video work, the same stuff to break down Tony Ferguson's front choke series. That's so impressive. But for a guy myself who seldom will you ever hear me use the shot word to fighters. Holy shit is Tony Ferguson, a guy who I've championed more than any other people in the media, minus maybe Sean L. Shotty. Boy, is Tony Ferguson shot beyond shot. Like, shot to the point where it looks like he's forgotten how to fight. Both striking, both grappling, and in transition, which was his game. He was the transition guy. And he is so lost and late for those transitions. He is locking up anacondas or darces that aren't there way after his legs have already been collected there's no point into it and he's doing it anyways kind of after the fact like a dude holding on to a guillotine that's clearly not there the guy that should know better than that is doing that oh tony there's hell on a darces before that weren't there look at this fight with uh back with uh danny castillo like well that was a while ago for one and 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 this is different like his reaction times are, are, are worse for you know those are tactical choices that you can question him in the castillo fight like we're his reaction time and the, the reconnaissance and the technique and the recollection it doesn't seem to be there. He just simply isn't there. Which sucks because not only for Tony Ferguson or fans of Tony Ferguson, but we don't even really get that honest look. And Dariush wasn't... And, and also, Dariush, you know, maybe he maybe he looked into his magic ball and knew that and was careless. Although, again, if you look at his fights before that, um, that's just kind of how he always is. And I get it. Like, Dariush, I believe he, he, he has a reason to be that confident. I believe he can outgrapple Dubronx and most elite grapplers in the division. He has the style. He is one of the most well-rounded grapplers, period, um, in the UFC right now. I would be willing to put my hat in that argument. But the problem is, is he also gives positions, you know, gives back positions. Um, you know, you look at the fight, the fight with Jim Miller even. Okay, well, that's another guy. He, That was Jim Miller at his worst. Jim Miller... Um, was in like a four-fight losing streak. He's in the heat of his Lyme disease battle. If you look at his, when that fight takes place to, you know, the Jim Miller career arc and what he said and not want to make excuses. But that was literally the worst Jim Miller. And, and he let Jim Miller get to some submission spots he could he shouldn't have got to and, and almost paid for. In fact, 
Speaking of arm locks, I think we could see arm locks in in both fights. If I, I I'm gonna spoiler alert, I'm gonna pick Charles here. Um by submission by a choke, but I actually wouldn't be surprised to see an arm lock because one of the submissions and positions that he allows on Jim Miller, Jim Miller actually gets to like a mount crucifix on Benny Dariush in the first round. And he gets one of those like crucifix like straight arm locks that are really tight on the body. Right? Um and he almost he almost gets that. And I know it's just you know you're not supposed to look at the embedded shows. Shout out to my guy Joey O. Talks about those things they're made. Those things are edited to make you think that both sides have an equal choice. So I, I, if I do watch those things, I keep that in mind. I watch for other reasons. I want to see what their shape is, their body, what they're looking like if they don't post, you know, because uh, they are contractually obligated, obligated to let the UFC film stuff. Even though everybody has smart and now has their own YouTube channels, which is also helpful. But you will see Charles Oliveira working arm locks, and he actually is working that exact arm lock that Jim Miller had on Benil in that exact same position. And he goes over to his coach and says, I'm the arm lock king. For what that's worth, again, doesn't mean he's going to win. Just like with the head sagging off to the left side of the read. It doesn't mean he's going to win, but the puzzle pieces are there. And when I'm getting this action in the puzzle pieces, when I'm getting the Leonardo DiCaprio, oh, moment in front of the TV from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, even though I've had stronger moments and stronger reads than this one, that's for damn sure. The odds are right. It should be a pick em. It's a volatile fight. But again, that read is enough for at these prices. It's pick a side and ride, baby. It's um, it's pick a side and ride. So I actually ended up picking Dubronx because he is the plus money. He is the side. He is the pick. He is the analysis. So he will be the bet. And even though I usually would reserve two unit bets, I only usually do like one or 1.5. Rarely do I do two or over, even though that's like a normal thing for the betting community. They just do it like it's nothing. Um, you know, even though I'm the irresponsible misleading one. But, uh, but yeah, like, you know... Uh, you could interpret it like, wow, he must be really confident. No, I'm not trying to be that guy. Uh, I will definitely come clean if this one wins, and I'll, I will wipe the sweat off my brow and acknowledge that it was sweaty, uh, as I should. <laughs> um, but I did put two units on it because in my mind, I'm like, there's no way I can be fading the female goat and, and putting more money on Adrian Aldana than I am on fucking Dubronx as an underdog, right? Like... You know, as much as I want to justify and can justify and show my work uh, on that previous play, like, you know, and in my mind too, like, um, if Dubronx hits one unit or two units at plus 125, uh, covers uh, back the exposure and then some, I believe, for the Aldana exposure that I have out. So that's how I have it in my mind. I've got two more straight plays coming your guys' way, by the way. And of course, enough Aldana hits, depending on how she hits, she pays off the whole night and almost gets us caught up. Uh, caught up this year she hits so you know that's kind of how i have the math in my mind uh have more coming to you and we'll save time on the fights that i did not research uh next fight uh adam fugit minus 170 fugit uh mike malott minus 210 bright malott white malott you know what i'm saying the complexion there yes dan he is very white he's canadian we get it and you wonder why people are uh you know getting mad at you uh in the feelings i'm sorry folks like, you know i I've got some uh, Nordic in me, even though I don't have the complexion. Um, but yeah, no, I like Mike Malad, obviously. He did us well. Um, one of the last round robins we hit where we went, I think we went three or four, and the one thing we didn't hit was the be one of the best submission, submission uh, fighter on the card got submitted, of course. That was Muniz. Um, but I think that was a card where like we hit Malat and we hit like other a bunch of other subs. It was the Samishan, Samishan, Fiddler on the Roof. Shout out to my Jewish brothers and sisters there. 
So, you know, I like Mike Malott. I haven't researched this fight yet. I remember Adam Fugit uh, is not afraid to wrestle and will incorporate that into his game. So part of me thinks club and sub for Malott, again, either round one or round two. Check me at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day for my quick picks and prognostications to see where I ended up there. Um, Dan Ige minus 250, Nate Landwer. Uh, actually, just watch tape on this fight. Not that you, I need to, not that you need me to, to know where I'm going to end up on this fight. Of course, stating my extreme couture bias, especially when it comes from a Hawaiian uh, that I know and know his team, Dan Ige, Eric Nixick, and company. They're going to have a, a strong team uh, up there, of course. And they have like uh, Nate Pettit, Jimmy Gifford. Shout out to Jimmy Gifford as well, by the way. Uh, I know I was kind of doubtful with some of the uh, work with uh, Calvillo, but you know you can't judge a, a coach on just one fighter or whatever. And I just been noticing that guy's been, you know, it's like Henry Hoof, where like you're not going to see the differences overnight. But these coaches, like the Jimmy Giffords of the world, the Henry Hoofs of the world, they instill fundamentals and really know their shit and really work with the care that you see throughout these fighters and they get better with as they go on. Um, and I've given him credit before, and you've seen, like, past fighters back when he worked with, like, Misha and Brian. But, of course, more like, you know, uh, was it like uh, he worked with, uh, with, with the guy like uh, Julian Arosa, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Of course, uh, Dan Ige, uh, huge, you know, you're really seeing those dividends paying there, and, and a bunch of other fighters over Extreme Couture. So I wanted to shout that, and I think that's going to be very key that discipline and that counterpunching is why I bring it up, excuse me, against a guy like Nate the Train. You guys know I'm a big fan of Nate the Train. Uh, Nate the Train's been a money train for me over here, you know. Um, even when I picked against him, I picked Arosa to beat him. That was good for me. But when I picked Nate lately, he's been really good to me. Meaning, you know, I picked him against Onama at Big Odds, I think plus 275. He cashed for us there, right? Gave us a heart attack in the process, but he cashed for us there. Picked it, you know, should have the analysis to show for it. And, of course, not just picked him, but picked him in round two. Not just picked him in round two, but picked him to get his, what, first or second sub win of his career um, uh, against uh, Austin Lingo. That was an amazing night. Again, you know, it was it was nice being able to revisit the, revisit the Pineta around two, Pineta sub, picking the proven products. Uh, it was great to do that again with Nate Lanware, with the Nate Lanware sub, $100 again. You know, um, that cash big both on the record and even bigger off the record, it would have uh, actually, I'd be, I'd be up if I just, you know, accounted for um, my two uh, casino nights with friends that I posted winning and losing tickets publicly and had people from the old MMA gambling Twitter present. But again, you know, old misleading Dan Tom, always trying to pull one over on you guys. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was fucking nice and a nice reminder of uh, what I do and why I do it. I guess, okay, gotta take the victories where you can, whatever, um, this fight, I haven't, I'm gonna be doing it for both the Quick Picks and Southpaw Report, that's of course, I'm picking Dan Ige, by the way, to get a, a counter knockout, but it's a crazy fight, I don't wanna play Dan Ige for the chalk, I'm already overexposed, so I'm not looking to parlay, though I don't blame anybody for parlaying Ige, that being said, I wrote Ige KO in my round robin, because I'm gonna want some action on it, right, and, uh, I'm trying to save my round robins for. Maybe I should just put my confident plays in there. They would do a little better. But I'm kind of using the logic. Um, I'm just like, well, I want to spread the love around. And instead of putting 1.5 or a whole unit of exposure, uh, why not put just over a unit of exposure to cover like four different possible angles to save money and have fun still with potential payouts that way. Right? Right? I don't know. But I can tell you that I'll probably be ending up picking Marc-Andre Barrio and seeing him. At minus 135, minus at 129, I don't know if he's still that at, at my house that I saw earlier. 
um, where I got some good lines that I'll get to you guys here. Reward you guys for listening because I was a little late punching them in last night when I played them. Yesterday when love was such an easy game to play. Um, I'll give you guys uh, everything I'm on. Um, but yeah, um, if I come out of the analysis, I'm going to probably want to pick Barrio. Uh, and there won't be much to round Robin him in because, you know, I got to look at the last fight. Maybe he's not a decision machine. Maybe he, because he is making improvements. Uh, I didn't watch the last fight. I just picked Julian Marquez and I showed up as he was getting finished, was told that Marquez actually was looking good at the beginning of that fight. So I got to weigh in to see how bad, does that mean Barrio was looking bad? But Barrio also showing improvements that even though I picked against him, I have credited him for. Um, I got to see where I end up there. I'll probably end up picking Barrio. You guys know me. I, I like Anders, but I also... Uh, can come off as an Anders hater because he just is... Uh, even people who have been high and made this mistake has even come around and, and realized this at this point. The dude is overinflated, you know? It's part of that thing where... And again, shout out to, to, to uh, you know, my football lovers out there. It's no hate to my football lovers, my uh, football players, ex-football players, friends of the show, you know who you are. But it's just this whole thing, you know? Shout out to Greg Hardy also getting knocked out again last weekend. It's this thing where we're just, we, we want to anoint, you know, especially here in America, and uh, we treat uh, football co- players like the second coming of Christ from uh, our, our grade in primary schools uh, until we're adults, unfortunately. And it's just... This is not how fighting works, folks. It's not, it's not. Again, we have much more parallels to pro wrestling than other sports. And, uh, you know, uh, the fighting part is a whole other animal that it doesn't matter if you're a pro wrestler or an athlete. You got to, you got to be a fighter. And I'm not saying Eric Andrews isn't. He he is a fighter, but uh doesn't mean he's going to translate as a, as a good or a great fighter is what I'm trying to say. And perhaps he's seen the end of the road and, and called his own self-admitted retirement, which is also strange and, to see the line further going his way, despite him talking about, you know, uh, only wanting about five more fights and him seeing the end of the rainbow, so to speak. Um, again, you guys know it's not really dependable. He does have power, but even when he does hit guys cleanly, he crashes his own work and goes into the clinch. And even though he came in from a jiu-jitsu base, the wrestling hasn't quite caught up, and we haven't really seen anything promising from ground and pound to submission prowess to tell us he's going to, you know, uh, fluffy Hernandez, uh, Marc-Andre Barry, or give him any flashbacks of the sort. So, again, I want to do my due diligence, so I don't want to commit too hard. Don't go off what I'm saying too hard, but also, you know, it's probably looking at, like, minus 410 right now if you have to put odds whether or not Dan Tom is going to be picking Marc-Andre Barry uh, for his uh, quick picks and prognostications, and it's about minus 1,000 that I'm going to shit on the matchmakers for making this the opening fight of a pay-per-view. I know Marc-Andre Barrio is from Canada, though he trains in South Florida, but come on. Middleweights? This middleweight fight? Two middleweights who were known for hugging up against the cage and clench. This is what's opening the fight. Joe Silva's rolling over in his grave if he's, still, uh, if he's not dead somehow. I don't know. I don't know why he would be dead, but I'm just saying he, he'd be rolling over in his grave if he was ridiculous and if you want a middleweight so bad why didn't you go down and pluck the prelim headliner between chris curtis plus 130 nasardin imavov uh minus 155 man i mean i know england um and ireland typically backs their fighters at the window but like we've got a line flip here for imavov coming off an arguably exposing loss i mean lost to sean strickland on short notice i know it's a completely different style matchup but again, this guy tends to flag come round three, whereas Chris Curtis, maybe they're get, they're fading him similar to Jared Gordon, although it kind of went the opposite because we know how MMA gamblers do. They love fading the old guy, even though, again, Miller is the fucking man, and Miller ended up being the best motherfucking play, possibly the year, if you got him at the line I did. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the line actually went the other way there, so maybe that logic doesn't make sense. But in effort of trying to keep the same energy, 
right? Because now I am backing the opposite fighter. Uh, I will say, you know, he didn't go completely unconscious. It wasn't like multiple shots, but he did get flashed. It is a worry for anybody bringing that up. I don't blame people bringing that up. I wish more people brought it up who were interviewing Chris Curtis this week to get his feedback on that. That being said, Chris Curtis got wrapped back on the diet using the old foodie fit, the same meal prep that I use. I shouldn't be pumping my fist like that means something because, Dan, look at you. You should look a lot better than you do, you son of a bitch, if you're going to brag using the same (laughs) meal prep system. Listen, I just get salmon and rice all day from them. I love it. Um, But, yeah, he's he's walking around later, seems to have kind of found his weight. Um, And I just like the style matchup for him, you know. Uh, Imavov is a lot of flash, a lot of hype. And I just did the Southpaw report on him and stuff. And, you know, he likes the inside angle counters of the right hands. He likes the uppercut variation. He really likes that from both stances, to be honest. And he will do the typical building thing. I've been noticed I've been including that a lot in my analysis, folks. Uh, you saw a lot of Ch- Chucky Olives when he got uh, countered. Slim Charles there. It was when he was doing the lifting knee, the tie march, right? And it's something I always talk about. I talked about it with the Diego Fajeda, why I picked against him, Michael Johnson. Because Diego Fajeda would do it. He would do the lifting knee thing. And, you know, Ronnie, yeah, yeah, did a poor man version of it. And unless you're like Max Holloway or Volkanovsky, who do more technical, refined versions and have the chins to back it up, uh, it's a very, it, it is a dangerous way to close in the open stance. And it opens you up to counters when you're on one leg, especially. I don't know if there's an exact reason for this, but especially Southpaw counterpunchers. Again, uh, why I ended up going against my guy Dustin Jacoby and picking Mirza Khanoff. Southpaw counterpuncher, what did Jacoby do? He has the kind of the lifting knee, the, the step in, the kind of that. And I love it. I, I love those fakes. I, I work a lot off that, you know, that bodybuilding sit I'm a Southpaw, right? Front kick, uh, tie kick to the body, uh, knee, knee variation, like hip faint. Step in with the knee to either catch them coming in, or if they don't come in and or back up, then I step down and throw with that same side, right? Uh, Chidi Ninja Kawani does this. And or uh, lift the knee and step and then shoot off the orthodox stance like I explained earlier. Like there's a bunch of builds off this, but in that little brief area where you step up in the air, there is a moment, especially the higher in weight class, which means the less maybe agile and fast and reactive you are. It's like you're putting your head right up in the air just to get up two, three, a pop, pop, uh, a big counter. And, um, and yeah, we, 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 you, you see that a bit with, uh, uh, Imavov. He, he's been, he's been kind of taxed by that too. And again, Chris Curtis, softball counter puncher. Now Imavov is a lot of flash to his game. He likes to kind of crowd his own work. Um, like Eric Anders, he can't help but crowd his own work even when he's doing well. That's why he doesn't really work too much in combination. And there's a struggle of consistent offense and he has a lot of weird fights with a lot of head clashes. Uh, as well as Eric Anders, right? Southpaw, open stance matchups, propensity, you know, for headbutts are already there, especially if you have a style to crowd your own work. So he tends to do that a lot. And I don't think that's going to do him very well. His ground game is nothing to write home about. I think he gets a lot of credit just because he was originally born in Dagestan and the way we fetishize that and cover some Eastern European athletes from that region. They're obviously great. I'm not saying they're not, but I'm just saying overcorrecting the steering wheel. Back to that that saying, right? Um, he gets a little too much credit from that. And again, he's no Rodolfo Vieira. And even if he was, I ain't going to pick him like I didn't pick Rodolfo Vieira against Chris Curtis uh, when they fought. Because, again, Chris Curtis's takedown defense, his counter-clunch game is good. Um, it's it's the fact that, you know, he lets shoulder rolls, he works the body, and he counter-punches. These are just things that judges typically, um, I don't want to say don't reward because they're not trained to reward that. But let's be honest. Due to human nature, it gets the short end of the stick, and we cannot deny that. 
Um, and that is unfortunately where Chris Curtis comes short. Now, he's tried to shore some things up and into his style, right? And be aware of that. So I like to hear that. That being said, am I expecting Chris Curtis to be a different fighter? No. Should he be a different fighter, completely different fighter coming out? No. Uh, I think the body worker and the counter puncher will be just fine. Imavov, another reason why he gets a lot of flash and oohs and ahs because he's very just flashy about how he does things. So even though he is doing a lot of the things that Eric Anders does, his fights maybe seem more exciting, even though visually appealing to the tastes, right? The, I won't say that, but they're more exciting, right? Because he's very flashy. And even defense, he's got a lot of that flashy head movement, which is actually pretty good. He's got some decent eyes and exchanges, that Imavov, and I think that saves him. But he moves in straight lines, so that means he's not allowed to be countered. And even when you are still ducking and dodging despite your straight in and out line movements that he does, what is there to be hit? The legs and the body. That's right. So, uh, I, you know, I, and, and, and couple that with the fact that he gets tired when he's not fight facing body punchers. He flags in three-round fights. I know he went five rounds, but... He went five rounds and lost to a guy on short notice, okay? He went five rounds and did not have to cut to 155. He was at 205, but he was also in the shape for 185. So that was honestly the best cardio chances you could possibly give the guy on paper, right? Now he's back to he's back to three rounds, but he's also back to having to cut to 185 pounds. He's not getting a, a 20 to 21 pound buffer like he did last time. Imovov is a very big boy at 6'3". So as much as you want to say that could be a positive for him in this matchup, you know me. I don't I don't care about size and reach. It's what do you do with it? What is the context? Numbers by themselves mean nothing. They don't lie. Okay, actually they do fucking lie. And even if they didn't, let's just pretend the numbers don't lie. Numbers mean shit when they're out of context. Numbers mean shit when you can't understand the nuances of them. Sorry. So if you want to back numbers, understand them, put them into context. All I know is you can argue numbers either way, but when a fighter starts off as the favorite and public pushes them to the dog and there's no real good reason for that, you owe me, I owe you. No one knows owes anyone an explanation for putting some money from a play perspective on that. So we got the line flip. I know I got my bias in tow, Extreme Couture. But again, he's going to have his coaches there, Nate Pettit, Eric Nixick. It's going to be like an Extreme Couture party there. So, uh, yeah, give me Chris Curtis. I took him at plus 132 for one unit. All right, Jasmine, Jazz Davisius, a plus 240, Amanda Maverick, minus 300. This is a rematch, right? I recently, I know Matt Amanda Maverick, Southpaw, so I got to do her for the Southpaw report. And uh, because they threw Jazz Davisius on a main card for some reason or earlier, I ended up... Uh, having to break her down, I believe. So I'm sure uh, I do remember looking at her fights. And no, she did not. Uh, no, she does an amateur. Nope. No. For some reason, I thought they already fought for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I'll probably end up picking Miranda Maverick. But uh, yeah, check me at Dan Tom MMA on fight day for that. And I'm not looking to do any parlays. So I'll probably stay um, away from that one. Um, this fight, uh, I did a little bit of tape brush up with, man, and I just, I, I feel okay doing it with the line movement. Rachel Long, the Mongolian murderer. You guys know me. I know where I'm going with this. Minus 115, minus 105. Hey, man. It's a hobby. Hey, man. It's a hobby is, is back. He's making his yearly appearance. He's, of course, he's only fought once in the last two and a half years. Hey, man, a hobby. You initially opened at plus 190, but again, are Canadians like back in, uh, I'll make more sense, I guess, than the, uh, who the fuck was it? The Parisians. But, uh, you know, the Canadians, at least in their home country, back in their own main people, they're excited. 
as you guys have every right to be. Congrats to all my Canadian friends and colleagues out there. Even if you can't make it to the show, I am happy for you guys getting some uh, shows back up in your neck of the woods of North America there. Uh, that being said, um, A-Man's a hobby. Not too much to write home about. Very talented, you know, well-rounded, um, well-trained. Uh, but again, I think that Richie Lang, the Mongolian murderer, not only does he throw more volume, I also believe he is the more harder hitter, a.k.a. the more impactful striker. Um, he's technical. He can counterpunch. He can get into dogfights, and we saw him kind of get reckless with that and just kind of, you know, you got to give him credit. It was a last-minute replacement, I, be I believe, in Jay Perrin last time out uh, or a, a short-notice one at the very least. Um, but, yeah, he fought kind of dumb and still ended up winning. Um, he had to show his chin, didn't need to, fought dumb, showed his chin, did things he did not need to do. I get that. Perhaps why that's why people's playing it in here. Uh, the Asian guys tend to get fade. People tend to, you know, hype up uh, people related to names or camps or people with the OV at the end of their names. I don't know if it's any of these, like, basic-ass stereotype stuff that sounds that I'm being silly, but you would be surprised how much of a piece of the pie counts for that type of betting, folks. Um, but yeah, when I see uh, or Richie Lang, the Mongolian murderer, um, he opened at minus two twenty-five. You could argue maybe slightly high, but I feel like he should be around two to one. And uh, I saw him as low as minus one hundred seven. I feel bad because now it's like minus one ten, minus one fifteen, uh, and it's only been going upwards from there. Um, but I saw minus one hundred seven, and I had to jump one point oh seven units. That's uh, one hundred and seven ducats to take back a hundred ducats. Um, one, minus 107 is practically pick em. I mean, you could argue minus 110, minus 115 is practically a pick em. Minus 107, yeah, that's practically pick em odds. Uh, it's practically even money right there for a guy that opened his 2-1. to one. So, again, uh, just a unit pretty much to get a unit. Just a unit to get a little more over a unit in the Chris Curtis side because we're on the dog on that side. But close fights where the line flipped. And, uh, again, I feel good from my X's and O standpoints, too, for whatever that's worth. It doesn't guarantee shit, but for whatever that's worth... Did my due diligence there. Checks out there. And if these lose, it's fine. But uh, I do feel okay putting a unit on it. So uh, those are the plays I got for you. That's some decent exposure if you count the round robin, which is not complete. I'll tell you what I'm looking at it leaning. We got Blake Builder minus 250. Kyle the Monster Nelson plus 200. Uh, everyone seems to be on this fight. I don't have much memory of Blake Builder. Um, this is just one of those typical MMA gambler fights where everybody goes deep in the prelims and puts like an ungodly amount of money on unproven sample size and will still come out a winner. And I will be, you know, I will be uh, quietly sour, wishing that I got in on the action with you guys while I lose out despite having correct analysis and, air quote, as responsible as one degenerate ass like myself, admittedly, can get. Uh, eat shit. Uh, but yeah, um, that being said, we do know Kyle Nelson, he tends to fade. And it's not the thing on Kyle Nelson where I'm trying to be reductive, whether he's at 45, whether he's at 55. Uh, I think he's a good fighter, seems like a nice guy. Uh, seems like a, a, an athletic dude, way more an athlete than I could ever dream of. Uh, and I completely believe him that he works hard to work on his conditioning. I, I don't think it's about that. I think a lot of people fit this bill. It's not that they're not a hard worker. It's not that they're not a good fighter. They're definitely not lying. And they are athletic, but some people just um, aren't built, whether it's the physiology and psychology or the physiology mixed with psychology. You get some kind of a, a panic shot once it gets to I'm not saying that's the case with Kyle, but you get that a bit. Your mind plays tricks with you. It's funny, man, in there. It is a mental game. So if I was looking at this blind betting, I'm looking at like Blake Builder round two is what I would maybe throw in a round robin if you can get a decent plus number on that. But I have not looked into that fight. I am not trying to invest time or too much money into it. Good luck if you are. David Dvorak minus 275. I almost said Stephanie Egger. Steven Ersig 
plus 220. I'm guessing this is a last-minute replacement. I have no clue uh, about this one, folks. Check me on Fight Day. Of course, Diana Belbita as Belbita or Bel Bieber, if you're looking at best fight odds, minus 115. Maria Oliveira, minus 105. I'm not sure what this opened as. Oliveira looks like she opened as a minus 155 favorite. So money has come in on Belbita. I have no clue who the hell I'm going to pick. Check me at fight day at Dan Tom MMA on that one. Before we clean up the chat, recap, pick some plays. How did we do on time 141? I was long-winded and late, so not too surprising, but I'll timestamp for you guys here. Um, all right, let's go and look here uh, to clean up the chat. Um, da -da -da -da. Da -da 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 -da. Ghost, I posted this, but I hope Aldana's team uses a slipping jab uh, from close dance and body work. I clipped some of her straights to the body from the Vieira fight. Why did she go away from the body work? Since I'm not sure, but that's actually a really good call. Um, Ghost, Rio Susan Truesdale, I have heard this from Heavy Hands Boys. They said that Nunez only comes in with one striking idea and her opponents are not good enough to compete with her. So I hope you are correct in your pick. Yeah, as impressive as it was and as much credit as Nunez deserves for doing that. You don't see fighters just switch stance like that. Say what you will about how limited her arsenal was, but it was a limited arsenal. I don't know how much we can count on her um, adding to it. We will certainly get that answer, I suspect, because I suspect they will do a southpaw to try to avoid um, dipping jabs, although that shouldn't really affect a dipping jab attached to a right cross of the body, even in an opening stance, in my opinion, humbly, but we know it can affect a lot of fighters' lead hand, the open stance. Jimmy Kudo, you mentioned long title reign champions. Is it possible for a champion to constantly change their style uh, to fit the tendencies of specific opponents? Um, not long reigning, but Cejudo is known uh, to change his style and game plan to his opponents. Uh, yeah, there, there is fighters that can certainly do that, and I think that's very smart. Um you know, and again, you know, perhaps what Nunez kind of, you know, did her own version of. Uh, Synchro wing, belly down arm bars. Jack Slag said that could be the technique that will trend. Do you agree? Um, perhaps. It's a, it's, a, it's it's always been a brutal way that I've been a big fan of. So I hope that we are not seeing it more for a reason. That would be that would be that would be welcome. Rio Susan Truesdale, do you consider Nunez an opportunist type fighter? Um, she's gotten better and has been able to win fights with process and building on to her tactics and developing her well despite um, the earlier comment from the heavy hands guys though I don't disagree with that either so I don't want to be completely reductive or unfair obviously but yeah I mean a finisher and athletic opportunist is what she is at heart not trying to be reductive and say she's not better she is Mark Fellows oh yes DT is riding with me on the main event yeah baby Aldana you know I'm a big fan of Arena Aldana baby uh, Dan Urban we should get Ben Henderson as guest ref for this matchup <laughs> which match are we talking about for that, the uh, the Oliveira and um, um, Benil or the, I don't know, I don't know which one, <laughs> Edgelord. Uh, Co-main is the real main event. Charles carrying this card on his back. Charles is the man, yeah. I, I, I hate the fact that they have to fight each other. Of course, you guys know my spiel. It's just like the Gilbert Burns and, and Bilal Muhammad. Of course, they don't check the boxes of markability. Guess what a lot of those are. But yeah, uh, so they have to take the harder route. So even though I'm not like the biggest, like, you know, uh, I'm not like a, a Benil Stan, right? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, you know, uh, but I'm a fan of his as a fighter, man. And the guy deserves a title shot. You cannot deny it. So I feel bad for him there, man. Jin Karasu, probably lazy fan analysis, but I want Oliveira to win just because I find Benil extremely annoying as a person. 
You said it, not me. Dan Urban, speaking of Benny's Benny in The Sopranos was just the worst. <laughs> hey, we should have you on the – I got to get you on the, the podcast as well, Dan, maybe for a top five episode. Um, hopefully not top five Bennies, although that's a fun conversation right there. But uh, think about a top five. Maybe I'll get my guy Dan Urban on this podcast. I already had his co-host Scott on for one. Ghost Phantom, I really don't know what will happen, but I hope Charles Rivera just batters the body and puts pressure on Daryush. Um, Me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, Brendan Oliva said on Santino's podcast that even though he himself is a BJJ black belt and meddled in a world, he doesn't uh, he doesn't think jujitsu works in MMA. Unfortunately, agree. Um, I've heard similar takes like that. I don't want to take anything out of his context, and I don't know if I'm an authority to really challenge that. I like to speak more to specifics to certain. Um, certain specific trends he said Sigrowing said he said purple belts who fight for top position will beat up black belts in MMA um uh, I will say that adding wrestling if you are a purple belt uh, as a purple belt a long time purple belt here adding wrestling is a big key they say for getting to brown belt and I uh, it's hard both of my coaches despite actually both being in Vegas for the first time which is weird catch wrestling coach Neil Melanson of course my Brazilian Jiu Jitsu coach um, Rich Castro, which is under Robert Follis, and Casey Halstead, 10th Planet Lineage. Of course, Highest Stand, Gene LaBelle, um, Caro, uh, Catch Wrestling Lineage on the other side, Purple and both. Uh, neither of them are, are consistently teaching anywhere, so I don't know when I'm going to be able to earn rank, but I, I still need to train nonetheless. And I noticed that wrestling is a huge part, to your point, I'm not just talking myself here, to talk about myself, believe it or not. To your point, wrestling is, is a really big key. And... Um, it's probably why I work, I, let's just say, um, having most of my roles and having better success than I've had and mainly getting submitted, of course, more than anything, of course, I suck. Don't get it straight. But it's mainly brown belts these days. And that's, that's, wrestling is a big, big reason for that. Um, Ghost Phantom, do you notice Landwehr using pressure to retreat? Uh, you, uh, you notice Landwehr using the pressure and retreat idea in your film study. It works really well for him, also requires durability. Yes, it does, and he's just been fighting better off the counter as well. That's the thing he's been doing more since the MMA Masters. More kicks, more counters. Uh, pressure and retreat is a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, tactically, okay, yeah, I can definitely see that. And you definitely need the durability to do so. Um, da, 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 da. Dan, just friendly warning. Luke Fury talked big shit about you on his Patreon today. Uh, I don't know. Me and Luca are fine. I'm sure if he has anything bad to say, he can say it to me. I, I still love Luca. So, um, Tom says to the moderator of this live chat, "You signed up for the game's job on her." Okay. All right. Well, probably not. The guy's trying to start. You say good luck this weekend, and then say, and then he goes on to trash my moderator and say I'm a losing bet, a 40 year old losing better. Not quite 40, but almost there. Um, and be careful, you know, my age and stuff. And, like, the, the, the good thing about my age and me being a nerd, I only lean into that because if any of these, like, losers actually, like, come to the open mat on Saturdays in Extreme Couture and get tooled, it'll just crush them. Because people that, like, don't even have a reason not to like me, they just judge me without knowing me. And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, okay. Oh, and giving me tips, like, on how to do techniques. And I'm like, okay, all right. You want to be the coach? We have a coach for this class, but all right, you want to be the coach? I'll listen. And I'll just look at my watch and wait for the time live roll comes around. But, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and get rid of uh, Tom. He's just he's just trolling in here. Which is terrible. You're going to take the time to... How sick are these people? That's the thing, like... 
you know, uh, and other people that I respect, you know, uh, Paul Shag and CJ Saftig has talked about this in their show before. There's a lot of sick people out there, man, that just, when you involve money, like, uh, you can always tell because they always talk about the money and the, 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 the betting side of things or whatever. This is what this show's about, so it's all good. It's welcome. But, like, yeah, you can tell they, they as much as they want to talk shit about me, they were dumb enough to not listen to themselves and don't understand the responsibility of adult. Probably made a play. And or they're a sensitive little crybaby, which is why they're projecting Psych 101, calling me a victim. Uh, because, you know, I said something standing up for a minority, and, well, clearly we know their views on that. So either they're a loser, a losing loser, or a racist loser, or a whatever loser. Whatever, take your pick. I honestly don't give a shit. You're just, I just consider them all losers. So go ahead and block that motherfucker. Uh, Edgelord, I learned from MMA Ecosystem Podcast, which covers Chinese MMA. They said Orichi Lang is fight with, with Fight Ready and working there a full year. Does that factor in? Yeah, it does. And Eric Anders did work with Fight Ready, is not for this camp. So interesting what Santino DeFranco said on his podcast for that. Dan Urban, I'm in, my man. Uh, Jimmy Kudo, why am I not seeing that comment? I'll block him. Yeah, it it's... Oh, wait. I think it's the same person. I don't know. Is it Dan C and a Tom? Get the guy that's Tom. Maybe he's using the same thing as Dan C. But uh, but yeah, uh, go ahead and go ahead and uh, get both of them because even though the Dan C guy's using the same name, he's like trying to start shit uh, or whatever. So Tom and Dan C, they both comment back to back. But it's cool because they have to subscribe. There's at least a minimum of ten minutes of wait time. So like these people have to like come here, click subscribe, give my channel engagement, take times to write stories after they wait ten minutes just to out themselves like an idiot and help my stupid little channel. Like, yeah, my channel has shitty views. I admit that. I don't deny that. But you want to look pound for pound? When you guys come to troll a small channel, you help it way more than you go and, like, troll, like, Luke Thomas's channel where, like, your troll thing gets lost in the ether. Maybe that's why, because you guys like the attention and mom didn't hold you enough and you guys don't have girlfriends, boyfriends, lives, whatever you're into. You don't have it and clearly aren't happy, but I'm not going to waste any more of my time on that. Um, and Jimmy Kudo got him. Look at that. Moderators in the house. We got an army here. I don't know about calling yourself the neck boys or girls, but I appreciate all of you. Give me the positive likes, positive five-star ratings and reviews. Combat these handful. It really is a handful of losers that are just so sad. Like I almost feel bad. Like, like I almost want to apologize to them because like, I clearly have hurt these people's feelings so bad. But we're going to keep winning. We're going to turn it around. And we're going to have a killer winning night. And you know who's not going to be in the comments when we win? These motherfuckers. Because they're losers. Not only can they not show their faces. They have to create burner accounts on top of their already protected identities. Because the internet is too scary for them. Um, they're not even man enough to show up. And remember that. Remember every MMA gambling loser, even the non-burner account ones, who are people who charge for picks, which are probably why they're getting mad at me because I'm better than them. I'm, I'm better than analysis than them, and I'm doing this shit for free, undermining them, trying to sell picks, and hold on to the numbers, bro. Numbers, life can change. It's your fucking character that defines you. Who you are as a man, as a human being, as a woman, whatever the fuck you identify as, as long as you're a good person, man. That's all that matters. And uh, that's what shows itself at the end of the day. So thank you, guys. Five-star ratings and reviews. Yeah, that's right. Positivity is the best medicine, as Alvin says. Alvin Yakatori. He's not here right now, but shout out to him. 
All right, let's recap. We're going to be killing it this weekend. We got, we're taking Aldana over Nunez. We're diving, we're, we're going into the sun, baby. Don't got to follow me off that cliff. Taking Dubronx, Slim Charles, Chucky Olives over Dariush. Taking, probably taking Moat over Fugit. Check me on uh, quick picks and prognostications. Taking Ige over Landwehr. Probably taking Marc-Andre Barry over Anders. Check me quick picks and prognostications. Fight day. Taking Chris Curtis over Nazardin Imavov. Uh, probably take Mavic over Jazza Davisius. Taking Richie Long, the Mongolian murderer, over A-Man, Zahabi. Taking, probably take Blake Builder over uh, Kyle Nelson. We'll probably take Dvorak over Steven Urseg. And we'll probably, we'll see what Diana Belbitsa and Maria Oliveira, where I end up there. Check me at Dan Tom MMA. As you see, I did a weird thumbs up, creepy little thumbs up. Like, give it a tickle there. See, the, whoa, easy. At Dan Tom MMA on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> No tickling there. Um, you, I will post my picks and plays as per usual for free uh, and account uh, and continue to accrue hate as I offer free analysis that right or wrong, nobody else is offering, doing the work for, and uh, been doing it, making a, good enough to make a living off it, good enough for uh, people on UFC broadcasts like John Anik, some of the best commentators from boxing and wrestling uh, to UFC, Mauro Ronaldo, uh, Laura Sanko. Uh, all the big names read my stuff, but uh, it's okay. This is for your guys's uh, for your guys's gain. My my lack of popularity, in spite of these things, is your guys's benefit, and uh, also unfortunately provides a place for haters to chime in. But we are cleaning that up. Those people are only outing themselves. We are fucking moving forward, baby. We got Aldana plus two twenty five one unit. We got Oliveira plus one twenty five two units. Curtis plus one thirty two one unit. Arichi Lang, the Mongolian murderer, minus one oh seven one point zero seven units. Aldana inside the distance plus five hundred half a unit. Aldana round three eighteen hundred point seventeen u the usual round flyer there. Round four plus two thousand point seventeen u the usual round flyer there. Round five plus three thousand point for the dart of all darts, shout out to my guy, Aaron Bronstead of the TSN MMA Show. We got .666, the number of the beast, out of zero, plus 6,660 for Aldana, round four, sub, .17U. We'll see where we go. Maybe I'll add in, um, maybe there's a Malat, you know, round two. Maybe a Builder round two we'll put into the round robins. That way I can maybe be on those matches. Uh, maybe uh, if I don't uh, play Burial, I don't like it and the number enough. Maybe I don't play him. Maybe I throw a Burial by decision in there. Who knows? Uh, if not, there, of course, is a very juicy things we could always choose, Parker, with a, a KO or a sub-choose between Dubronx to throw in that round robin. And even though I'm more exposed than I need to be for Aldana, again, you know, um, we could throw an Aldana by submission or or something in there maybe too. So we'll see how the round robin shapes out. I'll post that. But my main plays are kind of already set. And with the limits that I always keep consistent with, you guys know me, uh, we're usually average anywhere between 5.5 to 7.5 units. And that's including the just over the unit on the funsies, the round robin, the thing that takes up seven seven bets. Um, you know, but again, we're going to have our own uh, Rob Font versus uh, Cheeto Vera stats for our, for our gambling stats by the end of the year. Maybe by the end of the week here to shove it up the haters' asses. Who will be nowhere when we make the inevitable turn? Because that's what bottom feeders and losers do. Whatever you do, don't do what they do. Let's keep L-I-V-N, man. Going to go finish the rest of uh, 
my work. Uh, gonna go uh, have an amazing evening uh, tomorrow night uh, with my lovely girlfriend. We're gonna watch some fights. We're gonna, we're gonna do some open mat on Saturday. Then we're gonna watch some fights. Uh, neither of that involves uh, hating on other people's and taking the time to do that. But it's because we're not fucking losers. So thank you guys. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect the underdog.